Hey everyone, Brian here. Uh, a little bit of craziness happened, so for the first time in our run, we weren't able to get this week's scheduled episode recorded. So what we're doing instead is we are unlocking an oldie but a goodie from a couple years back where we talked about Remedy's Alan Wake with our good friend Jack Gilbert. We thought it would be a relevant uh, episode to cover because of the sequel that recently came out. And if you want us to cover that sequel, uh, just hang around for a little bit. Maybe you'll see it. Anyway, we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled garbage straight into your ears. Anyway, back to the show. What? When we were in Munich, we saw a musical called Der Medicus, mm. which is based on an American novel called The Physician. Oh, I thought it was a British novel. I had no, no idea. No, the guy lives in New England. And so it's oh, about and a guy from old England going to uh, Persia to learn real medicine because it's becomes the medieval a prince, era. He travel back in time with a magic yeah. knife. Like the, the second number is just of the, doc, the English doctor that he's apprenticing under giving out, you know, fake cures for things and everyone has diarrhea. It was a diarrhea song. <laughs> it was. It was a diarrhea song. And then oh, yeah. uh, and then he and then he sings a song about how he's going places, man. And then his mom dies. Yeah. It's so amazing how much of it blacked out. <laughs> well, the craziest thing about this production uh, is that uh, Jack and I did not realize the applause traditions. Jesus. Uh, in Germany. Oh, I got to hear about this. And, and specifically as they apply to musicals. <laughs> so in America, everything is pretty much set on like a timer. And I think also maybe in the UK too, it's like uh, the audience will applaud and regardless of how loud they applaud, uh, the bows will happen and the next people will come up and the bows will happen and then the right. curtain will close and the show will be over. Right. In Germany, they don't leave the stage until you've stopped clapping. It is oh, a wow. game of chicken. So <laughs> they, have, they have multiple types of curtain calls. Like they do it in different orders each time. Or sometimes it's like just the leads bow again. There's like a whole. There's choreography. I mean, they must spend a whole day working on, okay, what are we going to do for the curtain call? There, like there was choreography, like bow number yeah, six so, had a different dance than bows one through five. Yeah. So the music, the musicals always have some sort of encore number. Dance of the Vampires, of course, famously has the number where they come out. There's no more set. They're just wearing silver like vests and singing in English. Uh, and the the the, this sounds the physician like had something had. like that, too. Yeah. Demetrius had uh, a similar thing. And we're just sitting there. I, I'm I'm familiar with this. I had seen a lot of plays in Germany before. And everyone's just still clap. I had also performed in Germany before. <laughs> and, uh, well, and then, uh, Germans, just like the Hungarians, do the the iron clap where they all start clapping in unison, not to the beat of the song. Very emphatically, not to no, the beat of the no, song. No, no, no. They, they will make their own in beat. Unison. Yes, and you yeah. will follow it. <laughs> uh, and this lasted. Conservatively, fifteen to twenty At minutes. Least? No way. No, it was At least so long. straight up. Yeah, I yeah. thought I was losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack started screaming, "Stop! Make it stop!" Like midway through. I looked around. I was like, "This is not. This is." And everyone seemed like totally like it was just like blank faces all around. Like no, they weren't enjoying it. No one was too having, like. A good time. There were two There were two college kids in front of us who were just baffled by the whole show. But yeah, they were ridiculously entertained level. by the three they of us. They were on the same level as us, but everybody else was like a, a suburban like 50 year old oh. and they they ate it up. They loved, oh, they loved it. it. They loved the brown face in that show. <laughs> oh Let God, me tell yeah. you. So many 
Welcome to the Worst of All Possible Worlds, the first and only podcast willing to confront the traditions of the German musical theater. I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. And I'm the worst of all possible Brians. And joining us today, a good friend of ours. An actor, a writer, a longtime employee of NBC. And the only man from Ohio who I respect, Jack Gilbert. <laughs> He's wearing an Ohio sweatshirt right now. I am. Uh, Ohio University sweatshirt? That's the one. It's the Ohio University. No, that's the other mm. one. <laughs> nope, nope, I'm pretty sure it's... Uh... It's the Batman. Hey, because we're going to be talking about a goofy little game, and I think you have some thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I met Brian and AJ just... We found each other in Germany, and swap <laughs> <laughs> numbers. Your, right. English is, your English has gotten so good, <laughs> Jack. Yes. Thank you. Um, He's it's, from Ohio, it's, comma, Germany. Yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Well, there's many Germans in Ohio and vice versa. Uh, and I followed them back. Uh, Jack actually brought COVID-19 to the United States. Patient zero. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but seriously, yeah. I mean, we, we all uh, know each other largely through a theater, which we've talked about many times mm-hmm. and we'll never name directly on this show. When AJ and I were talking about putting together an episode about this game. Immediately, he was like, I know just the guy. So we're very excited to have you here today. Yay. What 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 made you pick this game? Like, was it the remake, the remaster, I should say that or what what brought it on your radar? Because it's not a new game. I mean, well, this game has haunted me (laughs) since its release in 2010. And it's a game that constantly is brought up, I think, in the same kind of breath of heavy rain in that mm-hmm. it's like it, it revolutionized storytelling and gaming. And I, I've always kind of felt like I was I was going crazy because I played through this game and I thought the storytelling was quite bad. And everyone around me was saying how, how great it was. And I I was just like, I must have missed the reference points. Do you know what I mean? I've never read Stephen King before. I had not seen Twin Peaks at the time. I'm watching it right now, which is a huge trip playing Alan Wake because some locations I think are like just dancing on the knife's edge of copyright. That was why I wanted to do an episode on Alan Wake because I was trying to identify why Control worked for me more than Alan Wake did and I thought it would be an interesting game to revisit because we do like talking about storytelling and games and I I hate this game. <laughs> I hate this game so so much. I, I I sort of am in a similar boat. You know, I um got Alan Wake on Steam years and years and years ago and it was for many of the same reasons. I'd heard about the quality of the storytelling and uh you know those sorts of things. I've also always tried to play remedy games and just felt myself like slipping off of them. So I was like, you know what? If I just play it for the show, then I'll be able to really play all the way through it. And uh, I also hated it. I think I hated it even more than AJ. Um, But I think that that is correct. (laughs) I think that the ways in which it fails narratively are actually kind of interesting and uh, by and large thought it would be worth discussing on the show. I think before we start talking about Alan Wake, yeah, one of the biggest references to sort of that this that this game lives in and one of its biggest illusions is to the world of Stephen King and his novels. And it's the opening yeah, quote of the we, game. When yeah. we start the game, we see Alan driving down the road and he says, Stephen King once said that yeah. nightmares exist outside of logic so, uh, and there's little fun to be had in explanations. <laughs> They're antithetical to the poetry of fear. 
And then the game In spends the rest story, of the time. The victim keeps asking why, but there can be no explanation, and there what? shouldn't be one. Hey. The unanswered mystery <laughs> oh, no. is what oh, stays God. with us the longest. Oh, oh, and I'm it's back. what we'll remember I'm, in the end. I'm right back. My I'm right back. Name is Alan Wake. I'm a writer. It, it, it's like the the way that it does this, like it sets this up and then it, it spends the rest of the game in rather exhausting detail explaining its own internal logic, which explaining is explaining everything. Everyone said that my writing is Shut like when you up. get the french fries at McDonald's and then those last fries are at the bottom of the bag. Sure, it's not high cuisine, but they're the best damn french fries you'll ever have. Especially when he just starts narrating in yeah. the middle of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, like, like he's talking just over talking someone else, yeah. And AJ started mentioning that he was talking over other people. Yeah, it, it, so it really I to myself, maybe this is because he is afraid of the dark. It really is exactly, <laughs> Brian, that delivery. It's like, it's, it's, so, it's totally it's inflexible. So intense, it just yeah. like goes like straight through everything. I found myself in everything. a town that I couldn't quite explain. It found <laughs> me at the bottom of the well. I found the well to be very dark and foreboding. I am Alan Wake. Like there's no, yeah. like it's just one long run on sentence. Would you say that the writing in Steven King's novels is better than Alan Wake's writing, or would you say it's basically on par? Is it like a good pastiche of it? Zero percent is a pastiche. It's I. I was <laughs> reminded. It's so funny. You were like, you like Stephen King. You'll like play this game and and help us figure this out. I found, <laughs> aside from the two quotes, I found almost zero. Mm. Excuse me. There parallel. was a man named. There was a man named Mister Maine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is so, but it's, it's so much more, and I'm a huge Twin Peaks nerd, and, like, they right. borrow so much more from Twin Peaks. So Very like, heavily, oh, yeah. If, if, aside from the fact he's a horror writer, it seemed like just such a, uh, it had nothing, like, I don't even know why he was quoting Stephen King. The other thing is that he's actually, he's not a horror writer, which is the other thing I had forgotten since originally playing it. Um, I played the remaster. They've remastered uh-huh. the game. They're releasing it in anticipation of Alan Wake 2 that is mm-hmm. coming out uh, pretty soon. There was also a DLC in Control where you were able to actually go back to um, Alan Wake Town of Bright Falls uh, and solve, I guess, another mystery. I don't know. I didn't play it. Did you play that DLC, Jack? So I'm playing it right now, actually. Who's the psychiatrist from Alan Wake? Uh, Hartman. Dr. Um, Hartman. Hartman, uh, they've ca- like he has become this horrible monster, and the people in control have captured him, and he's escaped, and so you have to like take down Hartman. The whole game starts out basically in media res. Uh, Ellen's car uh, has been wrecked. There was a hitchhiker who like stood in the way of the car, and oh no! And he's like flipped and then it. I and- realized the hitchhiker was part <laughs> of my story. <laughs> well, he also opens this nightmare sequence with the line. It was wild and dark and weird, even by my standards. <laughs> and I can't. Oh, first of all, it's like the nozzle was given his own video yeah, game. In terms yeah, of yeah, yeah, the yeah. nozzle, the nozzle especially is that like bright flashing light that gives you instructions. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Alan, uh, please go forward. Follow the light. I am yeah. the nozzle. And that and that voice is uh, something that basically leads us through a gameplay mechanics tutorial. It's one of these horrible, like contrived. Yeah. Here so I am to move through the game kind of bullshit. A, it's such a great like that that generation like having a tutorial before the game starts and the game actually does a good job teaching you each thing piece by piece but it's like no we have to start with a nightmare right. that he has that he describes as being like a nightmare <laughs> like a nightmare 
after we accomplish this whole movement tutorial, which is basically teaching the mechanics of the game, core things are you run around, you dodge attacks, you get a flashlight, and uh, in order to defeat the guys, you have to focus your flashlight on the guys, and then you have to shoot them with bullets until they explode. Um, which you already I, have the flashlight. Also, I have a question about that mechanic. Yes. That I've, yes. Yeah. What in God's name does it mean to focus a flashlight? I have no idea. Is that just I, like... It's real. It's a real thing. Like, have you ever had like one of those big mag lights? Like uh, the mag lights, you can like you can twist. twist it, yeah, but it doesn't absorb more battery power. Well, you know, what they, you they have to, no, you <laughs> no. have to focus it on them while they stand there, and then you tell them to step upstage two steps, right. and they hold up their hand, right. and then you check the focus again. Right, uh-huh. and then uh-huh. if, if yeah, that's it, how you focus lights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and I also it's I a like to imagine. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to imagine that as Alan Wake is holding the flashlight like harder, he's going ooh. <laughs> Like, like really squeezing that thing for all is, its worth. Is, is one of the late game upgrades you just get a Fresnel lens? Pretty much. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you just get not bigger flashlights. Yeah. Flashlights, which I didn't notice anything better about them, but uh, they they wear yeah, down resistance flashlight. faster when you have a bigger uh, flashlight. I like that they were like, okay, we're gonna do the Luigi's Mansion mechanic yeah yes. but it's a gun now that's because this yeah. is the core mechanic of the game this yes. is what you will be spending 10 hours doing you will, you will you will shine a flashlight at a guy and wait for that guy's little circle to go from being really big around it to being really little around it until it flashes and then at the point that you flashes you can shoot the guy and then you have to shoot him a bunch you have to shoot him a bunch mm-hmm. of times bullets like a ton of a ton of, of gunshots uh, to someone who is just a guy right like, yeah, yeah. Can I also point out that you're an out of shape. You can't outrun these things. No, no. I mean, even though the game wants you you to at certain points. Yeah, but they catch up to you so easily. So you have Mm -hmm. to deal with all of these never ending bad guys constantly. Alan Wake is so out of shape that you can hold the run button for conservatively like four seconds. Mm hmm. And then he's too tired. He just starts. (laughs) That's fine. I, I think that's that's perfect. That's normal. Actually, that's. An ordinary thing for for a guy like me, like Alan. I mean, oh <laughs> no, no, sure. In real life, sure. I'm, I'm making an Alan Wake sequel where he's a podcaster. Nice. Brian <laughs> is running away from the bad guys. <laughs> My name is Brian Alford, and I'm a podcaster. <laughs> so, Jack, would you describe the core gameplay loop as fun? How would you describe it? It's, it's funny. Like my, I, I don't play these kinds of games that often. So I was mm-hmm. like, I was a little unsure if it was just me being out of touch with this style or something. I was like, this kid, no, this was not fun to me. It was also <laughs> I don't play spooky games. It was, it was, it was, I, I like, I play games with like the power was, fantasy. Was, was this, was this spooky to you? Oh yeah. It was like jump really? scary. I don't like, it was just very dark. Okay. So um, jump scares. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I've played other horror games. I'm actually, I can't do jump scares in movies or in any other medium, but video games. Cause in video games I can run away or mm. I can kill the mm. thing coming after me like actively. Uh, and somehow I'm just able to handle it better. But the actual horror mechanics of this game are uh, so much better handled in games like Resident Evil. Like at first, for the first whole episode. No, of this there, thing, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to let you finish, but I have yeah. a real problem with that <laughs> assertion. But go, go ahead. Go ahead. The thing that backs me up on the Resident Evil stuff is the camp value. So for as scary as Resident Evil is, it is also just entirely camp. Even in the most serious version, it's camp. In Alan Wake, 
it is a uh, it's like trying to be camp at or, or something first, mm-hmm. at first yeah. that whole first episode I'm like maybe I was just in 2010 I was coming oh, let's this, this out these are episodes not chapters yes. right. I'm sorry the, Even the whole story of Alan Wake is a book that is now real like in that Will Ferrell movie but it's episodes much like all other good books I love to yeah. open up my book to episode three and read it mm. my name is Harold Crick uh, that's just Will Ferrell's character's name in that movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, did, I like that movie. That was uh, your screenwriter of Stranger Than Fiction once said that fear is no. Yeah, that's um, good. <laughs> so I thought that like in 2010, uh, I saw all these reviews saying that this was like the next step forward in video game. Right. Like, this was going to be like the yeah. next big narrative jump. So when well, I and there's there's also big like technical stuff that's going on. You know, all the objects that are flying around all the time. You know, oh, sure. actual physics objects and the light and everything was pretty, pretty spectacular for that moment. Right. Although that, I think it also gets overstated. Yeah, no, sure. Um, but the, I mean, it was a game that I was like, this was going to be like the next, next big narrative jump yeah. forward. And that's why I, I didn't think the story was so good. And then sure. when I started replaying it for the remaster, I was like, oh, maybe I was engaging with the game wrong. Maybe this is just high camp. Maybe right. this is just like a really campy, fun horror time. And then the next five episodes disproved that entirely yeah it it, it takes itself too seriously to really be that and um i think the best way for us to really unpack that narrative is just going to be to start talking about it so after we have this whole movement tutorial and we learn about the core gameplay loop which again i learned about pushing the analog stick forward yes stephen king once wrote frustration (laughs) (laughs) that's it he stopped writing after that now we hear something that we will be hearing a few times throughout this game which is a voice saying alan wake up and uh ah mm, alan wake get it um and apparently the whole thing that we just experienced was just a nightmare which we know was a nightmare because he told us that he would not stop telling us it was a nightmare uh, alan is taking a vacation to the Pacific Northwest with his hot wife to fix his writer's block. He hasn't been able to write in two years. So uh, we have a pretty extensive series of like walking simulator times. Uh, mm-hmm. Alan takes the ferry into town. He meets a local radio host. We go to a diner. In the exact same diner from Twin Peaks. Absolutely. Yep. It's the everyone, diner from Twin everyone Peaks. Everyone knows who Alan Wake is. Yep. Like, there's like, like there's a cardboard standout of him. There's a cardboard yeah. cutout of Alan. Yes. Within this diner, we meet a few other. We meet basically our other dramatis personae, or at least many of them. We've got Rose, who's a waitress. We've got the Anderson brothers. They're in a band. Tor and Odin. Yes. We've got Cynthia Weaver, who is just the log lady from Twin Peaks, oh, except she carries a lantern yes. rather than a log. She's the lamp lady. We also get uh, a woman who's creepy. Who we come across, uh, uh-oh, spooky, creepy, dark lady. Uh, she's shrouded in black. Oh, no. Alan and his wife uh, get keys to a cabin from this lady, but it turns out they got keys to the wrong cabin. Oh, no. They, they got to this diner because they were supposed to meet some, uh, specifically a, a guy there. Carl um, Stuckey. Instead of waiting for this person, he takes it on himself to go look for him in the bathroom, which is a strange decision in and of itself. And then this woman accosts him in the dark and then says, no, I have a key for you. Which is also like you would think because everyone clearly knows him. That's been established that he would not just take a key from a complete stranger because it's just this random lady. 
He is yes. the most important man in the universe. It's not like he's like an anonymous person. He's like, oh, she knows my name. Clearly, like Stucky, like everyone knows his name. Like, and he's like, here I am on my normal vacation, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, trying to meet a guy named Carl Stucky, and then a Victorian widow has just walked <laughs> up to me and handed me a key while outside speaking in poetic verse. Right. While another lady outside of the bathroom or like in by the bathrooms is screaming, "Don't go in there! It's dark." <laughs> As there's a cardboard cutout of myself by the front door. Yeah, it's also just like, you should probably not go back there. My mother told me if you ever meet a Victorian widow, always take her key. Yeah, this is just super duper normal stuff that a normal guy would do normal things with. Um, well, and the game did disarm me by asking me to play Harry uh, Nilsson. Was that was that song that the the tour? Oh, lime in the coconut. Yeah. Nelson Schwilson. After Alan takes the key from the spooky lady, uh, they drive off Ooh. and, uh, uh-oh, Carl's here. Carl's like, hey, you forgot your key. Oh, no. Ah. I oh. hope I don't have to fight you later. And, then, <laughs> and, and this was made by, like, a Remedy is a Finnish gaming company, and right. all, this game was written by a Finnish man named Sam Lake. So Remedy made the first two Max Payne, Payne games. And of course, Max Payne, the original Max Payne was just like, what if we did The Matrix, but it actually is a video game and not just a movie that feels like a video game. And they succeeded and they got, you know, they made a sequel and then they got into this weird like contract deal with with Microsoft for years and years and years and years from like 2003 to 2010 when right. they finally released Alan Wake. And Max yeah. Payne 2 was uh, more of a noir. It was, and, and this is something yeah. that then Remedy has sort of made a cornerstone of the work that they do. I mean, they really for a Finnish studio sure do have an interesting obsession with like American pop culture and American yeah. cinema specifically. There's not a single uh, green pig or angry bird. In, well, there are a lot of angry birds actually. I take that back. Yeah, this game is, <laughs> is like at least 40% angry birds. I feel like some of what's going on here Particularly when we see these like scenes of classic Americana, we've got the diner, we've got the forests, we've got all this shit. It is an understanding of America that is strictly through the lens of popular culture. And mm-hmm. I feel like the distance between what the thing really is and what their perception of the thing is, is part of what gives this game a sort of uncanny feeling. It sort of reminds yeah. me of like Deadly Premonition, which is another game yeah, that is based mm-hmm. on Twin Peaks that takes a look at it from a Japanese perspective. But these games, Whereas Deadly Premonition is very aware, I think, of what it is in many ways. Ellen Wake is not. Uh, It is not a self-aware game, in my opinion. It's more like, yeah, it's more like The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which is a Polish game, if I remember correctly. And it's set in Wisconsin, but you're mm. surrounded by, like, mountains. Sure. Yeah, the famous mountains of Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying it's like a copy of a copy kind of thing. Like it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's like a yeah. telephone that's, like, one person too removed for it to, like, actually kind of work. Yeah, and it is funny because when you listen to the commentary, because there's a commentary track, uh, both on the original game and the remaster, I found out, uh, that Sam Lake himself did. And the one, the most prevalent thing that comes forward is that he grew up with a lot of American pop culture and was super into comic books and American TV and American movies. And this game specifically was based a lot, obviously, on Twin Peaks, but also on Lost. He was fascinated by everyone watching DVDs at the time uh, of of shows. 
And he, he was like, well, that would make like a perfect video game idea, right? You would end with a cliffhanger. But they didn't release this episodically though, right? No, it just it came as one once. game. Yeah. So you would play it. So you play it through and then it just says next uh, previously on Alan Wake. It's like, well, I just did that. I was sitting was there. That, was that the idea? Was it going to be released as an episodic game no. initially? It was like, going to be open world. Yeah. Huh. That's really? the crazy part. There's yeah. a version of this game, the original version of this game that I think would have been actually really, really cool. But no, I can't imagine out of time. with the existing features they had making it open world would have made it with these uh, goddamn car driving mechanics <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely yes. yes oh man and we will get there um, yeah. but, Jesus. But before we get there we might as well go back into sort of now what is our first you know they've taken off the training wheels and put you into an actual combat situation right it's, oh, yeah. it's spooky time it's night time yeah so we're at this cabin on an island but who gave him directions there it's a uh, yeah right because no one he, apparent, apparently is on the key Jack yeah this, this <laughs> island doesn't exist but they're at this this cabin there and uh alan helpfully tells us that it's a caldera uh, because he doesn't know how to say caldera (laughs) cauldron no it's a caldera which i mean does mean cauldron um sure it's volcanic anyway that's Culture. I'm from New Mexico. I know so much about <laughs> geology because we don't have any plants. That's right, Brian. This, now? this is uh, your average New Mexican. Yeah, that um, is what they sound like. That's the classic New Mexico accent. I, I was just driving up to Santa Fe. <laughs> I remember this from Breaking Bad. They all talk like this. Yeah. <laughs> AJ, Jesse, what the fuck are you talking about? We gotta make some math. Note to self, average New Mexican man, commercial underline three times. Oh, am I going to get to record one of these? But yeah, down at the uh, down at the lake, at Cauldron Lake, they get to the cabin. Ellen's wife is afraid of the dark, we learn. and um, That is her one character trait. That is her yep. literal one thing. And uh, after a series of spooky events, uh, she ends up falling into the lake. A lake that Alan Wake describes as... As, and I quote, the water was clear and dark. It looked very deep. <laughs> this is a writer. <laughs> this man is a professional writer. There's a point where they uh, apprehend him a little bit later on. And one guy says, uh, whatever, shut up, Dan Brown. And I was like, oh, actually, yes. Yeah. Fucking guy who just keeps naming oh, so authors. He calls him H.P. Lovecraft. And I thought he said H.P. Lovecraft. And I thought, oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, that's and a good realized, one. No. Um, He's like, he just okay, said James the- Joyce. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you wish. So uh, <laughs> I wish. After uh, Alan falls into the lake. More like Alan Lake. Hey, uh, he he, he, he then yeah. wakes up again, and uh, it's time to walk through the woods, folks. Uh, it's time to do the thing that this game is known for. Let's <laughs> tiptoe through the tulips. Well, real quick point of, I just want to also say that the reason that his wife fell into the lake, they had an argument because she had brought him there under ulterior motives. Right, correct? false pretenses. False pretenses. He found out that right. She wants him to go to a psychiatrist there. Right. Um, which Dr. Hartman, others. yes. Uh-huh. Right. And he gets pissed and off she, and starts to storm out, but then the lights and go she out. also like yeah, and she wants him to write more and he just doesn't want to write right. more. Which is so shitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he 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 just wants to play because before that he's been all work. Right. Yeah. And I you know what happens. Want him to be a dull boy? I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't. So Alan walks through the woods for I don't know, uh, reasons. Um, <laughs> and he then comes across Stucky, the guy from before, the guy who mm-hmm. had the keys to the correct cabin. But something's a little bit different about him. 
Oh, is he, is he just, is it like how they named a guy Maine because of the Stephen King state? Like it, it, does Stephen King ever talk about Stuckies at some point? Not Even to though my that's knowledge, not in no. New England. Yeah. Okay. No, no, it's just like, here's, here's an American thing. Stuckies. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, I, I'm James Piggly Wiggly. I think um, <laughs> the only connection I could like really draw to King's work is the fact that it is a writer who they, the game tries to convince you at multiple times is just alone on an island with his wife going crazy mm-hmm. and yeah. that he may have murdered her. Yeah, and, I think yeah. Yeah, I think The Shining is the only thing yeah. that even comes kind of close to the storyline. I mean, King doesn't really have any like cabin in the woods kind of stories that. I could, you know, even like uh, short stories. Isn't, isn't Dreamcatcher? Oh, okay, story? that's a fair one. But that's like aliens, and that's that's a whole yeah. different. You know who loves Dreamcatcher? My mother. My mom loves Dreamcatcher with such a passion. She she was reading it, and she came up, and I asked her how the book was, and she said, "Oh, Stephen King's so great." There's a moment, and she like leaned in conspiratorially and said, "There's a moment." where the aliens get inside their bodies through their assholes. <laughs> and she laughed hysterically. And I was like, I I'm, I guess I should probably read a Stephen King novel. <laughs> Glad you're having fun, Mom. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> because you know who wasn't having fun? Me while playing Alan That's Wake. That's right. So we're in the woods. Yes, we're in the woods. Uh, Stucky is now looking a little different. Uh, something strange is going on with him, and uh, he's seems to be enshrouded in the same sort of darkness that the hitchhiker was shrouded in earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like a mm. sort of boss fight with him in the lumber yard. And then we keep walking in the fucking woods. Uh, and eventually we get to a gas station. And at the gas station, we learn that A, it's been a week since the events that just happened where he blacked out. And B, for some, some, reason, for some, for some reason, reason, it's been a week. And B, it's been a week and the cabin doesn't exist. The cabin doesn't exist. Oh, wow. It's mm-hmm. never existed. It's been gone since the fucking 70s or some shit. Oh, oh. It was mad. Oh. And we know it's been a week because there's like a festival coming up, right? Right. It's deer like fest. Deer fest. Yeah. Yeah. Broken lizards deer yeah, fest. <laughs> so, Jack, at this point, uh, curious to hear sort of once you got through episode one, where was your head at? Were you just excited to have a rip and good time with Alan Wake or what? I was like, I have to go through. I, I, the thing, the first thing I did at this point was Google how many episodes were in this game. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, how, how, and I was like, Jesus, six of them. And then two more with the DLC. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. kind of buckled in. But I feel like at this point, too, was the first time I saw the uh, was it Night Springs. Was that the yeah. uh, TV show? That was the my favorite part of this whole game. Oh, that Actually, was the Twilight too. Zone I, show? Wow, I really didn't like it at all. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, really? I thought they were I, well. Fun. One, I had a problem with the fact that either they had a camera running or they had the sound running, but like they never, like none of it was synchronized. Oh, All yeah, of no. the voices were dubbed after the fact. Yeah. Um. I. I think. I think they were a lot more successful with the FMV stuff in control with the little mm. like children's oh, puppet show where they talk about that's that's fantastic. But yeah. this was just made me as I spent a lot of 2020 playing FMV games. This one really what made me want to tear my fucking hair out. And, and did you see? Did you see the the QR codes? I that sure they added did for this. I was gonna ask. Okay, cool. Those are brand new. Like if you go to the YouTube videos that they lead to, there they were posted last year or something. Well, yeah. Nothing to the game whatsoever. I, oh. So that's the thing, right? Is that I played the original. Um, so, so you I, had the advertisements. Right. I had the ads. So basically... Oh, there were real ads? Yes. So uh, <laughs> I 
played the PC version um, and just, you know, fired it up. And to be honest, the remaster doesn't really look that much better than just playing the PC mm-hmm. original in 4K. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I played through it in one of the it's, it's actually kind of delightful in a weird way that at, there are multiple Verizon ads. So like whenever <laughs> Alan Wake pulls out his cell phone, you see the Verizon logo on it. There's a couple huh. Verizon billboards around town and then mm-hmm. all of the batteries have the Energizer logo on them. Um, so <laughs> wow. it's like this really weird product placement thing that feels out of place, but also somehow escalates the camp value, which I know was not what they were aiming for, yeah, which is no, kind no, of no. a funny dynamic. They were trying to make it more realistic. Right. And they do make a reference to the Verizon sponsorship in the DLC explicitly mm. uh, when Mr. Scratch, who is Alan Wake's evil self. Yes. It's, yes. Uh, yeah. Another Twin Peaks total reference says, can you hear me now? Can you hear me oh, now? Oh, God. Good. They have the largest 5G coverage <laughs> in America. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, that's the end of episode one and we move our way into episode two with a flashback. Ah, we're in the apartment in New York city. Hey, look at that. New York, New York. And we learn a little bit more about his writing career as well. That Mm -hmm. Alan Wake, uh, is not a horror writer like Stephen King, but he idolizes Stephen King. It's also Mm -hmm. crazy to me that Alan Wake and Stephen King exist in the same universe. Like Stephen (laughs) King exists within the Alan Wake universe, which means Stephen King is also in the control universe, which also anyway uh you find out that he's actually a writer of like a a gritty cop drama so it's like it's basically like if you gave james patterson a gun or like (laughs) yeah kind of now i'm gonna go kill dean koontz or like or like (laughs) for the last time so he's created a character that's kind of like a bosch like a hieronymus bosch character from the hit amazon show bosch uh Uh, no not you no b-o-s-c-h but it's also Uh, not unlike the titus welliver hit that ran for six seasons on amazon yeah no i got it bosch is like the kind of the chaotic version of me though so like i i feel a connection to this as well he's got what is so weird is both my mom and my dad have separately started watching Bosch now that they're divorced. <laughs> and I have to wonder, had they started watching that show six months ago, oh, if no. my parents would still be together. Uh, oh, I don't I don't think oh, you can it's not uh, true, that wouldn't I don't think you can appreciate Bosch until you're divorced. Oh, it yeah. has a very divorced energy to it. I've never yeah. seen it. <laughs> I watched but the pilot episode. Like, have you heard of this Bosch show? I was like, <laughs> how are you both? It's like it's like Ray Donovan, right? You can't be married and also like it that's true <laughs> that's true how many times do you think uh that he says the n-word in the pilot ray donovan because guess what it's more than one. Oh, oh my God. boy <laughs> yeah well that's why they got john voight um yeah, that's that, true yeah turns Honestly, out he's not even the one who says it it's great <laughs> he does he does there was a point where john voight is on an airplane and he looks over to his right and a woman's breastfeeding and he gives her like eyebrows and like eyes the boob and then she like has to kind of hide it away and he's like yeah titties this, this sounds like a great tv show almost as great as this game <laughs> the, the big the big story thing that we learn from being back in alan's apartment is that he has this little light switch that's like a detached light switch called the clicker uh apparently yes. his own mom gave him this as a kid when he was afraid mm-hmm. of the dark because the idea is don't worry like you can just click this and it's going to make all the bad guys in the dark go away and uh, he gives it to his wife so that she's not afraid of the dark anymore and it's supposed to be like a very sweet moment but it's uh, it's acted as with like basically Ken doll like animatronics mm-hmm. to it so it's just deeply weird and unsettling and then we cut back to the present day with Alan Wake in a gas station yes uh, surrounded by 
the cops, right? This is the point where uh, yeah, this is where you meet the sheriff. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've met the we sheriff a little, at the yeah. very tail end of the uh, first episode, but really what we're learning here is that Alan is being sort of interrogated to make sure he's still within his right mind. A few things happen here. First of all, he gets a phone call from a fucking kidnapper who says that he has his wife. Yeah, he's like, stop talking to the police. <laughs> The, Come out back and you'll find out that we're for real this that's time. That's right. Um, Average New Mexico man. How did you get on my phone? <laughs> um, Emil Hartman, who again is the, uh, the the doctor, the psychiatrist or whatever, comes by and mm-hmm. again invites Alan to go to the clinic. So Alan punches him for some reason. That was cool. He's very angry. He's a uh, very right, complicated character. Right in front of the receptionist whose voice they cast to sound just like Lucy from Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Except with none of Lucy's personality or like endearing no. like i think we maybe spend like five <laughs> seconds with her at and like she most. does she does cartoons so i just wondered if they had gotten the actress who played lucy they did not the voice actor who plays uh alan wake was actually in the original cast of passion the musical the sondheim musical, the sondheim musical. he played uh, a lot of it uh well how about that good for him yeah we love to see broadway actors succeed and hey folks here's the important thing stephen king once wrote that broadway is back <laughs> wow okay that that's a lot going on here. And here's the thing, folks. <laughs> Broadway is bad. It is. It is. Yeah. So we leave the police station. Yes. Uh, they allow him to leave. Well, because uh, his well, friend Barry his, comes his, along. His, his, oh agent. God, his agent. Barry. Yeah. His agent hey, who man. just showed up, right? Hi, right Barry. As he punched a doctor. Oh, hi, Barry. He punched an elderly doctor. The most confusing outfit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Describe this outfit for me, Cargo please. shorts, uh, a bright orange <laughs> puffer jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a Hawaiian button-up shirt underneath that. Yeah. And hiking boots. Yeah, he's yes. a modern fashion icon. Jack, Jack, <laughs> tell me something about about Barry. What What do you think of this guy? What What is? How does this guy strike you? I think that they walked a very delicate line. <laughs> <laughs> it's subtle, um, but there is a slight homage. I would say almost a pastiche uh-huh. to uh, what one might describe as like a typical. And when I say typical, I mean cliche uh, um, person who is an agent. Uh, how do I describe it? It's just yeah. so it's it's very uh, delicate how they handle yeah, this. It's very uh, it's very ethnic. Yeah, that's the term. In the 50s, they would cast a Greek man in this role. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really weird, too, because like. The character of Barry is actually going to become a big part of the movement of the plot. And we're supposed to like him. Like, we're Mm -hmm. really supposed to like him. We're supposed to care a lot about whether he lives or dies. And you just don't. I have never hated a video game character with quite the passion that Mm. I hate Barry. Every choice that they made to make him endearing backfired horrifically. And I don't necessarily even blame the voice actor so much. It was just like... There was nothing there. I mean, with all these characters, there's no there there. Right. Right. Like Alan Wake has no personality other than that. He is a writer Mm -hmm. and that he is an alcoholic writer and the alcoholic and the rage stuff actually doesn't really come into the DLC anyway in any like meaningful way. Sure. So he's mostly just a coffee drinker. Yeah. He mostly good cup of coffee. You got to find these giant ass thermoses. (laughs) Since I didn't play the game, what does the thermos do? Nothing. It's just a collectible for people who like collectibles, Wait, why are you, right? Why are you grabbing Nothing. services then? Because you want to be awake. Like, I think it's like the Donkey Kong Country thing, right? It's like just, just you collect just them all. Just to grab them. 
Yeah, and if you drink enough it, coffee, you'll be serious? It's just I mean. like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? It's um, to populate the woods with things to do. Besides yeah, I think it's just to make you like explore their faux open world. And speaking of things to yeah, do in the, the woods, uh, <laughs> what ends up happening next is that Ellen meets Ranger Rusty. Uh, Rusty is a, a, a park ranger. He's out there in the woods. And um, then Alan has to walk through some more woods again uh, and finds Rusty again after. Like, you just like walk. <sighs> in a big circle and you come back and this time Rusty he's dark sided yeah, yeah he's a little dark sided now and um it doesn't take yeah. long and now he he like shouts like instructional slogans at you right. while swinging an axe and that's another thing that this game does is that the taken mm. as they call them these are the you know mm. zombies um they will say things that they would have said while they were still alive I guess it's like all they can do is say things like you need to have more omega-3 fatty acids in your diet and um <laughs> Hunting can save you money on food. It's like, that, what? It weirdly worked for me, that part. I don't really? know why. I thought that that was effective. I actually think it it's was not a bad so idea. fucking out there, and they, like, went for it. I was like, okay, cool. This is a... Uh, yeah, know. no, I, like, I, Jack, I agree with you. I think I, I think it's a very it. interesting idea. I mm-hmm. just think that what they did with the voice modulation yes. completely oh, robbed yeah. it of any fear for me. It just Yeah, became... it wasn't scary, for sure, but I found it just kind of, like, compelling. Well, I, yeah. feel like, I feel like you can take something like that in one of two directions, right? You can yeah. either go kind of silly and camp with this and, like, mm-hmm. go in that direction, or you can go in a direction where... This is sort of the eerie, like last echoes of their conscious thoughts. It's yeah. like annihilation, to, and, and yes. that's where you you have to pull it back to very casual energy, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be talking like right, this, right? Right, right. Which I think is where, like, not having read much of Stephen King, but that's where a lot of his writing works. Is that like it's it's plain spoken, right? And uh, that's where it starts to get under your skin. And I think I think Control does this a lot better with stuff like the motel yeah. or the Bakelite telephone. Mm-hmm. Um, because they decided to just read a bunch of creepy pastas for ten years, and then we're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's this all is like how SCP that dynamic shit. works." Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, another another book that I've read that sort of does that dynamic of like turning the mundane into the horrifying is Severance, um, which I don't know if you guys yes. have read it, but you know, it's about a girl who wakes up one day, and this was published right before the pandemic, so it became a big bestseller during the pandemic. Um, but it's that these people, everybody who gets this virus, their conscious brain decays, leaving them only with the part of their brain that does menial, repetitive tasks. And so you'll just see these people who are not able to do anything other than like continue to walk or continue to put on makeup or continue to do whatever. And they look horribly disfigured because they are not consciously aware of what they're doing, but they're continuing Mm. the motor movement. That is cool. And I think that's that's kind of to your point, Jack what they were maybe aiming mm-hmm. for here. Like, that's what they wanted to do. It feels like it's almost a thing where, like, horror doesn't typically work on stage because, like, it's hard to get the audience to focus on the correct thing because, like, your mm. eyes can wander. With a video game, you can, like, look around so much more than there's no fixed point of yeah. view. Right. Which which is also why, like, the original Resident Evil games used a fixed Are camera fixed. angle yeah. so mm-hmm. that you yeah. can get those scares. Oh, no, it just but it, it doesn't. So it falls into Goofy where I think that they mm-hmm. meant to be uh, horrifying. Yeah. With that yeah. voice modulation and all these mm-hmm. things. And it just doesn't quite hit the mark. Right. Um, yeah. Like the what they, what they, what they want is they want it to be Jack Nicholson shouting. Here's Johnny yes. when he chops down the door to yeah. the point, to the point where they even say, I was worried he was going to chop through the door <laughs> just like Jack Nicholson <laughs> in the shining. Yep. 
Yep, they do. They do make like, a lot we of. We get oh. it. We know that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> but it, you know, it it does kind of feel like the whole script um, has the heavy rain translation thing happening. Mm, yeah. It feels like all the lines have been heavily translated into from English. From the Finnish, yeah. yeah, from Finnish, yeah. which is not the. I'm sure. I think they they must have actually written it in. Oh English. no, it was it was, I mean, it was yeah, written in English. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam Lake in the commentary talks about how he took a lot of plot elements for. Uh, Alan Wake from a screenplay that he wrote while at university uh, mm. called Undertow. The commentary isn't particularly revealing uh, other than you kind of find out that the man is very by the books like he's a Joseph Campbell like die hard. This is uh. how you structure a three act thing. But he's, his background is in screenplays and mm. I think the main problem with Alan Wake is that it is a screenplay yes. that's a TV show. Yes. Like it's it, it can't really sustain itself for six whole it's, it's, episodes. It's, it's wayward pines. Yeah, so you end up walking back and forth in the woods. Right. Yeah, you do one whole loop around Lover's fucking peak in this yeah. in this episode two, right. and also episode two introduces the driving mechanics. Oh boy, yeah, that piece happens right after you fight Rusty. Rusty, Rusty turns. You have to fight Rusty. You eliminate Rusty, and then you have to walk and drive through some more woods. This was the part of the game where I started throwing my controller across the room. There are some level design choices that are made in this part of this episode that are so bad and yeah. so aggressively anti a good gameplay experience that yeah. I had to stop playing at multiple points. There was like, there's like it's one point where there's like this arc that you have to go through and you have to basically, the only way to really do it is to run past all of the guys. But as we've already mentioned, you can't you, run. you run out of energy after four seconds. And yeah. so you can't really make it through, meaning that you have to like be constantly sweeping around with your field of vision. You also don't have flares yet, so you don't have the ability to like do area damage. So yeah, get you some room. You're just in this situation where you're fucking stuck because you can't really run past them. You don't have the weaponry necessary to take them on directly. And um it, it it's designed like the game hates you. That's really the only way I can put it. Yeah, there's a bit where every time an enemy spawns, the camera will like go like super slow mo and show you the direction that the enemy is coming from, yeah, and then yeah. spawn four enemies behind you. Jack, the size of your eye roll just now. I because feel here's like the thing: you're you're while they show that cinematic of the enemy spawning, the game is still it's not paused. Right. So if you're being attacked while that happens, you still are getting your ass kicked just yes. over on the yes. left side. Like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's like there's a weird sound effect, and yeah. like it's like, oh, wait, cool, I'm gonna die right now. And it's always yeah. the exact same musical sting under it every time too. There's like two songs in this game. Because I, I, I'm just curious, what difficulty did we all play this on? Oh, I just very went normal. I went normal because uh, you can on the PC version you can only do normal or hard. I I played normal and nightmare. There's a couple of differences. Um, I think we haven't mentioned a mechanic of the game that is actually incredibly important are the manuscript pages, mm, yeah. uh, which oh, appear yes. throughout I wasn't the sure game. When this came in. It happens like midway through episode one, um, after you awaken in the nightmare yeah. world. But there are little pieces of paper uh, that are like little bits of the story that Alan Wake was writing that also happen to be coming true in the world around him. So you'll usually get like a clue as to what's coming up, like down the line or like you know some little like insight into a character that you would normally get but the problem is this entirely breaks the logic of the game because Alan Wake is getting information about things that will happen in the future and is still very surprised when those right. things happen in the real life like right. it's it makes Alan into a complete idiot in a way that I don't think the game thinks that he is a complete idiot but um <laughs> So in nightmare mode, there are certain manuscript pages that you can get that you can't get in normal mode. So you so have to play the game twice in order to get 
all of the manuscripts Ow. or just start on nightmare <laughs> mode, which is impossible. Um, and also, uh, the it takes enemies longer for the light, for their darkness mm. to leave them, for oh. the light to like break their darkness, and they also take more bullets. So to put down a standard enemy in nightmare mode takes four pistol bullets, Whoa. where in the original it takes two. So that's where the resource management comes in. It's actually the same amount of resources, I think. It's just you need more to take down a single take. Sure. Interesting. With the way that resource distribution works, it's very rare that at least once you get flares, it's very rare that you actually have to fight these big groups unless it's like one of those sequences where you have to do it. But like yeah. with the normal like spawns, most of the time, once you have the ability to do area damage through flares, you can run away. That's that's yes. and, and, and that's basically how most of the second half of the game goes. Anyway, and that's the game a expects you thing, to. But they, they, yeah. they, like on, on the screen when you die, they have a little thing. It's like, hey, you could always run away. And I'm like, thanks. Mm. Maybe give me a run mechanic that works. Right. There's also bear traps that you can step in and you're fucked. So don't step in the bear traps. Also, you can't use bear traps to deal damage to enemies, which is too mm -hmm. bad because that would actually be fun. But this game yeah. doesn't want you to have fun. You meet the kidnapper, the guy who kidnapped your wife, and uh, it's off to Lover's Peak for just who doesn't love a fucking escort mission? Am I right, guys? Yeah. The thing that everybody loves in video games, an escort mission where you have no gun. But he seems aware that he is in the story. Like he knows that he is in the story written by Alan Wake, which right. is and, you know, he 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 demands that Alan turn over the rest of the manuscript. Right. Uh, yes, that's his desire is he wants he will trade his wife for the manuscript. A um, couple other things that end up happening then after this horrible backwards escort mission, we go back to the Alan goes back to the cabin uh, to save oh. Barry because Barry is now. Uh, surrounded by birds from which have the birds are evil. This is Hitchcock's The Birds. And to get back to the cabin, you have to get in a car. Now, Jack, you had mentioned the driving <laughs> mechanics earlier. Can you explain to us exactly why you hate them so Just much? Just for our listeners, by the way, Jack is currently doing the biggest face palm I've maybe ever seen. <laughs> it's, it, the, the, the really frustrating thing to me was I couldn't put my finger on what was so horrendous about it like i play inverted and i was like oh maybe my controls are, are de-inverted so i kept like switching them but like I, I just couldn't control the car i thought i was going insane i thought i was having a stroke <laughs> it like, yes. just would not do what it's what any normal car mechanic it's not new right <laughs> right it's I, so basic the joystick configuration is like you have a teeny tiny dead zone and then you have a little bit where you can actually make the car turn. And if you turn it any more than that, the joystick, even any further off access, all of a sudden your car is just like doing a 90 degree plus and you into are a wall. and you're fully out of control and you've driven into a wall or a fence mm -hmm. or a tree. Uh or a Taken, who it's, then can axe your car to the point where the car does not explode, but Alan Wake just kind of gets out of the just, car. Yes! Oh my god! Alan just randomly will get well, out of the car. he has to exchange information. Exactly, yeah. It needs to make sure I'm that... I'm so sorry. Here's my card. I'm with USAA. Oh my <laughs> god. Did you have that happen to you, Jack, where like you, where Alan would just decide to randomly get out of the car and hang out uh, and be surrounded by a group of Taken? Yes, because I was driving, and then the first thing I noticed was that there were, like, many more clearly drivable cars as I was, right. I was passing. I was like, why would they <laughs> offer me more cars? I don't need... Because I thought it was just... I, I wasn't killing the Taken. I had. I was like, why would I fight these things? I get There's no benefit for it. And then I went off axis. I swerved into a ditch, 
and was right. surrounded by 800 of these guys. Right. They started maxing the car. I got out for some reason and then had to sprint. Right. You didn't, you didn't get out. Alan got out whether you wanted him to he get out or not. Yeah. And, the, and the last words you heard before sweet death was Nordic walking can improve your circulation. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm glad that that is a real thing because I was convinced that I was going insane. I was yeah. like, I, I, I didn't push the button to get out of the car. I know that I didn't. So no, no that's that's just the game the game will also there's a couple of later levels <sighs> where you have to do like a roller derby against other like possessed cars oh my or, god that shit yeah this might just be in the dlc but uh i do no, it's episode wait, six so is is that wait so they just did maximum overdrive yes pretty much that movie that stephen king was so high when he directed he doesn't even remember making it <laughs> yeah no so they do that except so the whole point is that you're supposed to like be ramming these cars right and like using your headlights to like destroy the energy around it but the problem is that if you ram them too hard you just get out of the car and then the car runs you over <laughs> right uh, so in the original design you there was a day and night cycle and during the day you would explore the town of bright falls you get to know all the npcs there and learn about their lives and help them solve problems and also everything that you learned during the day will Help, would help you at night when you know the Taken would swarm sure. the town. It was more like a tower defense game, from mm-hmm. what I understand. At the end of Alan Wake, it's they do like this end credit sequence where it makes it very clear that you are like supposed to care about the like the citizens of Bright Falls, right? right. And I didn't really know the citizens of Bright Falls. Right, because you spend your that, whole fucking time walking through the woods. Yeah, That's through it. the outskirts of town. And it's sad because I actually think the town design is pretty cool, and that level where you get to fight through it mm-hmm. is pretty nice. Yeah. But, like, no, most of the time we're in these fucking woods, which is where we end up at the end of episode two. We sure do. We're going to a coal mine. The waitress from before uh, lets us know that on a phone call that she has the manuscript pages. But wait, no! It's not really her. She's being controlled by the lady in black. Oh, and she's speaking like so clearly robotically and differently that Alan Wake is an idiot. Right. Can we just it's one of my least favorite things when people are like bad liars and and no one acknowledges it. Like it would have been a, a much cooler reveal. If she had tricked us as players and like right. just acted normally and then like right. had a gotcha moment. But no, right. I don't know why they needed to wink at the camera like that. I have your manuscript. Please come over. My only guess is that... I'll be happy to take that manuscript. Thank you. <laughs> my, my only guess is that the voice acting was so bad in the game that they didn't think anyone would notice. <laughs> yeah. Because it's funny because when Sarah gets hypnotized, the, the deputy a little bit later on, her voice does not change. And mm. so you as Alan go to the trailer park. With Barry. Uh, where the waitress lives with and this, Barry. This is the beginning of episode three, by the way, that yes. we're in now. Ransom. Episode three, Ransom. Where you have to do what is cons- probably the longest walk in video game history, listening to Barry exposit at you uh, until you can get the owner of the trailer park to unlock a gate. And then like, he takes a really long time to walk, too. Like, you're getting exposition coming and, coming and going. You're getting exposition from Barry. You're getting exposition from Paul, who's the guy who runs the trailer park. It's just, it's, mm. yeah, nuts. Well, you have to walk around a boat because a boat has fallen into the trailer park home. Yeah, because the the sky, because this is the point where the Dark Presence, which is the big bad of the whole game, is like starting to throw shit around, right. I think, a little right. bit. Yeah. Um, and that's like the first sign of like... It's a sneak peek of what's coming, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you have to dodge boats in real time, which... You know, the when the run button is the same as the dodge button in the game, you know you've designed it really well. I mean, it works for Dark Souls. 
So anyway, you're in this trailer park. And oh boy, the waitress sure does poison you. Serves you a cup of knockout coffee, classic cup of coffee. And uh, I like I like that she uses yeah. her her profession as a waitress to like waitress you to death. Yes. <laughs> That's really good. Yes. Application of her skills. And not you don't you don't pass out before Barry says, This coffee's almost as good as the coffee in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love and then that. he passes out. Almost immediately afterwards. I just love um, that you take a drink from this person who is clearly possessed. Yeah, like, you can even see the like black like there, there's there's a, a thing that they all have where you know it's there's like, a like this black yes, like, ooh, like an aura, aura and, and it's like you can see it, Ellen. Ellen, you know Ellen. what these people look like at this point when they have the the, the, the when they're taken. You know you've killed a hundred and fifty <laughs> of with these your so flashlight far. and your gun, Ellen. What are you doing? I love <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Uh, was that, I was collect that? thermoses. <laughs> I have fifty-two of them. Wanna see? I only would need forty-eight more thermoses to get <laughs> all one hundred. <laughs> They're all just hanging from his belt. <laughs> <laughs> Once I have a hundred thermoses, I can finish my terrible novel. <laughs> I get an award from Xbox. But uh, while he's knocked out, he has this dream of what appears to be a big daddy from Bioshock. Yeah. Um, and then we get the guy who we've been talking a lot about a little bit here and there, Special Agent Nightingale, which again, special FBI agent. You can see what they're doing here. Twin Peaks reference, anybody? This is my least favorite character in the entire game. It um, makes no sense. It genuinely, genuinely does not. Even even later, you find the hotel room that he was staying at, and it it like illuminates nothing about the man's personality. Right. I didn't miss it. It's never explained what no. his drive is, right? No, like, no. you get manuscript well, pages that try to, but like, no, he's just a drunk and an asshole. Jack, his his goal, his objective, is to name as many authors as possible. <laughs> It's almost like he's try like he has a bet with the rest of like the police force in Bright Falls to like s like see how many names he could sneak in without anybody noticing. And it's like, <laughs> did anyone keep a running tally of the of their favorite name? Like, what was their favorite insult? None of them are insults. It's just names of he's authors. Just saying authors. <laughs> there's uh, nothing clever to it. Yeah, no, there's no pun. Now you stop right there, Edna St. Vincent Millay. <laughs> Every time that you see Agent Nightingale throughout this game, he's going to give Ellen a different name of a different author. And also, every time he shows up, Ellen is going to run away and jump into something. That's the other thing that uh -huh. remains constant in all of these interactions. Whether Ellen is jumping off of a mountainside cliff, jumping into a lake, jumping in some way, shape, or form, he loves to run away and then jump. That's kind of his whole thing. Guess what's next after this interaction? Is it the ones? It's it's walking through the woods, dude. Like, Whoa! <laughs> it's, it's, well, first it's running through the woods yeah, from uh, the I've special been, agent been, who's trying true. to murder you without cause. Right. I've, I've been missing the woods so far. I'm, I'm so glad we're finally back to the woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a l nice little comfort place. And I, I, it's not so much running through the woods as run, trot, 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 run, trot, 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 run, trot, trot, over so and over You actually over missed one again. important part, uh, AJ. Sprints. It's yeah. Run, trot, 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 pant, 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 <laughs> recover oh, stamina, so run, run, trot. Yeah, it's 
If yeah. he had a stamina meter, I could at right. least like know how long <laughs> before he just completely gives out so I could plan a bit better, but it's all kept from you. Or you could communicate it through other ways. It could be a stamina meter. It could be that the way that his run cycle looks changes. Like there's other ways you could do it, but instead you just have this binary state where he's either full of energy or exhausted and nowhere in between. <laughs> and it's like a wall. Like yep. you just hit a wall and you're done. Uh, it was yeah. at this point that I felt like Taylor Swift and that I just kept asking, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? And we are and- not. And nope. we are not. We are in the woods. Imagine how those level designers must have felt. What are we doing today? Oh, it's uh, it's more woods <laughs> on the side of a mountain. But this one did, has a plane. They did spice this one up with my second least favorite mechanic, which is mm. walking across these fucking bridges as random oh. shit flies at you. Not content to simply uh, have guys who run directly at you at very high speeds. The game also then decides to start throwing objects at you that are almost impossible to dodge. So you just get hit. My blood pressure was so high i really can't even articulate it took me i think 10 tries to get across that fucking bridge you would i was like okay maybe i have to like focus on i tried so many different tactics like i have to maybe just focus on one of these things and like right like burn it out and then like eight other things hit you from the other side right and then i was like okay maybe you just have to like run through it as quickly as possible but no then you just die again fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun. So the thing about episode three is that it's bad. There's nothing really defining about it. You do go through a mine at one point, uh, and in order to get there, they don't give you a car, and they just make you run across a large expanse of terrain. Mm-hmm. This was because there's one point in the very beginning, like you've 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 escaped from Special Agent Nightingale, yes. and you climb a fire watchtower. He's like, I can see in the distance where I'm going. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I was like, okay, surely I have to, I'll walk a little ways and then it'll cut to, you know, some kind of like clip scene and then I'll be, but no, yeah. you walk the entire, it's like miles. Yeah, yeah. I, it's miles. And there's and not the a car same there, right? There, there isn't a car that you again. can get. You have to walk the whole thing. Is at the very end, Alan falls into a lake. Yeah, he and then falls and, into the lake at the ca- that that the cabin was on. And then that big time. daddy from before saves him from drowning. He is in this moment a little sister. So the the cliffhanger because you know this game was actually inspired a lot by Lost. Uh, they wanted to like incorporate like a cliffhanger at the end of this episode to get you coming back for the game you've already purchased and the episode <laughs> you can immediately play. So you fall into the lake and uh, a hand reaches down to pull you out of the lake. And who does that hand belong to? Why it's none other. Than Dr. Hartman. And we will find out what Dr. Hartman's intentions for Alan Wake are when we come back from this commercial break. (laughs) Aren't you excited? Well, howdy, listeners. It's me, your average New Mexico man. Do you like the Southwest? Do you like your heat dry? Do you like chilies and wish they were in every food? Well, then you should also become an average New Mexico man. Enjoy all the perks of New Mexico, from its great red mesas to its vast sea of white gypsum sands. New Mexico is the perfect place to live. If you love answering questions about the hit AMC show, Breaking Bad, did you know Brian Cranston got that pizza on the roof in one take? Well, prepare to hear about it forever. So become an average New Mexico man today. 
so you too can drive on fractured remnants of Route 66 on your way to your job at the unmarked industrial complex, surrounded by nothing for miles. But when the time comes to turn onto the dirt road, you'll go right instead, taking the on-ramp to I-40. You'll just keep driving. You don't know why. Just that your foot has become lead and the speedometer keeps ticking up and you'll drive and drive, swerving in and out of traffic. Today will be the day you think today will be the day you escape and as you see the welcome to Texas sign getting ever closer, tears will start pouring down your face. You've always been an average New Mexico man. Maybe now you'll be something more. An average multi-state person. But as you cross the threshold into Texas, your body will start convulsing. Your very being will start to unravel. Come undone. Split. Until your old body will lie there like a cocoon left behind by a butterfly. And in your place will be an average Texas man. You stupid man. You thought you could be in two states at once. But you will only ever be one thing. So come marvel at the beauty of the natural world and keep an unconcealed firearm on you at all times because you don't need a license to do so. An average New Mexico man. What are you going to do? Live in Arizona? So in, in all of this discussion, I've, I've just gotten an ad saying that the USDA Forest Service is hiring. Oh, well, so um, you're going going into Forreston. So I heard you like walking through the woods a bunch. (laughs) My great grandpa worked for the Forest Service in Louisiana. Oh, shit. I mean, working for the Forest Service these days would be an interesting way to like see the end of the world as it happens, I guess. Speaking of the end of the world, let's start talking about how to wake. Now we're being pulled out of a lake. That's you right. I mean, it's like if you're going to set a whole game in the woods, that's fine. But like make it cool yeah make it cool to be in the woods like control for the most part the level feels you know it's all brutalist uh office but it like it works they make that work part part of it i think has to do with imagination right yeah like the fact that in control you are in this like kind of otherworldly environment that is what you imagine langley to feel like i mean i'm sure that in real life it's not anywhere near that interesting even in like the prime world or whatever but uh right there's something about the way that the level design inspires the imagination and um that's not happening here you know we're it, we're, yeah. we're we're on chapter four now the truth and we're in a, a a basically a medical mental a mental health clinic um yeah which i just want to issue a correction right hmm. here josh said chapter four and i want to be very clear <laughs> fuck off this is episode, episode four. four yes <laughs> uh, I, I also like that you were like yeah 
Yeah, in this game about a writer. (laughs) So so where we are now, right? Alan Wake's wife still gone. Still gone. Kidnapper doesn't have her. Got her driver's license somehow. Yeah, he's been finding manuscripts. Right. That are all descriptive of things that he's actually experiencing. Right. So sometime in this week that he has forgotten, he wrote a whole book. Alan Wake did, yes. And yeah, who else? The kidnapper. Did I mention? Why would I? Yeah, Alan. But he's the. But he, why would but the kidnapper Al, but, be writing a book? That doesn't make sense. No, no, no. no, 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 no he no, could but be writing a book. He, he like could be. Maybe guy. he's a rival <laughs> author. I don't know. I don't want to post. Then why would dreams? he be looking for the manuscript? Because from Alan? he's jealous. Oh. He's jealous. Oh. Alan is such a better writer. <laughs> okay, sure. It's a, it's a head of this is already situation. a more interesting game. It's a, that would be so much better. So, so, but Alan has figured out that he wrote a book last week. It's been one week. That's fine. It's been one week since you looked at me. Got you into the side setup. That he wrote in the book has come true or is in the process of coming true. Mm. I had entered this town, Odyssey. There was an old man standing behind the soda fountain. He made me a chocolate sundae. I said, thank you for the sundae. And he said, have you found the Lord? And I said, the what? Coming this summer. The crossover you never knew you needed. Stephen Curtis Chapman is Alan Wake. And I mean, the fact that this is set in the Pacific Northwest and you're wandering around the forest a bunch, it's it's Frank Peretti. These, These Finns have never even heard of Frank Peretti, but they have accidentally made a, a, a Frank Peretti rough draft that forgot to put the Lord in mm-hmm. somehow. So we're in Dr. Hartman's clinic or his 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 recovery facility, right? It's a cabin in the woods. His vacation lodge. The architecture, lovely. Now I, this I, is actually a pretty cool level. I was delighted by the architecture of this place. Like I would love to go here and like actually like spend some time writing. Recover, yeah. yeah. They do interiors very well. Mm-hmm. And so for control, they were like, it's just interior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So Dr. Hartman is saying some stuff that tips you to the fact that this is not a 100% real thing. He starts talking about eating raw beef and the time he appeared on Rogan. <laughs> and then he starts crying. Right, right. He just starts crying and then he has to pop a couple of benzos and then he's fine again yeah the the deep (laughs) evil that antifa see no this is just mm -mm. it's all right it's bad it's bad so i'm cutting it a couple things that happen here i'm dr jordan peterson (laughs) damn it i'm a psychiatrist (laughs) i got some more water so i can do the voice thank you brian I've never hated water more. You can just see me fucking losing my mind over here. Um, so we meet then the Anderson brothers, or we re-meet them, rather. We met them in the in the diner before. Um, yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. they sound a little bit loony, but you know what? Maybe they're the sanest people in this crazy old world when you really think about it. Right? <laughs> to- fuck. Tor- Taurus got a little toy hammer that he hammers on the table. That's right. And Odin has an eye patch. The designers clearly had like an archetype in mind. They were going for something. It's just they like it's just two degrees off. And it makes such a difference. Yes. How mm. uncanny it feels. How really just they're trying so hard. You yeah, can tell so and they, they think that they're nailing it. They, you can tell yes. that they think that they're yeah. nailing it. That they're writing this very tense psychological thriller. What? And what you get instead is just a wet fart. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so happy. The thing my the, my favorite thing about the Anderson brothers is like I'm just so happy that they made a sequel to Shenandoah. <laughs> 
Christ. Uh, what's you just uh, your John Cullum monologuing in the background? There, there <laughs> is there is something interesting about the Anderson brothers, and that they do feel the most lived in weirdly like it's like this entire game is like it's it's an outsider's perspective on mm. american culture right and all of a sudden mm-hmm. these two brothers come in who kind of feel like outliers do you know what i mean like tor and odin yeah. do not mit- mix with like the twin peaks aesthetic they well, are right. like hardcore punk rockers who and those are nordic names right yeah. like it's it's it, it feels i'm curious to hear though um jack like when you say that it was it was close but no cigar and so it came away feeling rather uncanny. Like what specifically in this situation are the details that gave you that feeling? I just feel like there's a lot of good ideas here. Like on paper, this would be a cool scene. You're a writer who's brought into this weird psychiatrist place. Mm -hmm. Your wife is missing. There's these two people who believe that they're Nordic gods. Like, like, oh man, this sounds really intriguing and cool. But then you actually play the thing and it just falls to pieces. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so right. Much like, much like the, the Taken's like, they're 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 repeating these like bizarre yeah. phrases like there's good ideas in there, but just in layered and crap. It, it feels like a reference to American Gods. Like it, it feels oh, like they're trying mm-hmm. to do what Neil Gaiman did, where it's like you know here are these these ancient European or or African gods that are just walking around trying to live life, like just a slob, like one of us. What if part of what makes American Gods work as well as it does is that Neil Gaiman spent a lot of time in America and is writing very specifically yeah. uh, from a, a perspective of someone who's been in it but is not from there. Mm. Yes. Part of, you know, horror has to play off of like familiarity. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're trying to make your horror uncanny, where you need just enough familiarity for it to work and then know where to twist it. Yeah. It's like, they don't know yeah. where to twist it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it just comes across as like a weird, like, like not a scary weird, just like, huh, that's, that's odd. Uh, I was thinking to myself like, Oh, these are good ideas here. I'm like, well, of course they're good ideas. They've taken a lot of good ideas right. and just repurposed them. Right. And, you know, it's not just an homage way and just kind of like a, this is more of a collage almost. Yeah. yeah. And then they just say, and then it was just like that thing we referenced. It's a real uh, skin kaleidoscope of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. He was left bleeding by the side of the road, just like Carrie was bleeding at the beginning of the book, <laughs> Carrie. And the movie by Brian De Palma, Carrie. I saw a doll. We made a reference. <laughs> I saw a small doll. It creeped me out. It reminded me of the doll Chucky. <laughs> Unfortunately, this very interesting setup gets thrown away almost immediately. Yeah, um, yeah. Because uh, the th- the episode is called the truth, right? right. And it is and it frames it up that this is going to be like, oh, the truth of it was actually that it, this was all in Alan's head, and his wife died, and he went right. to a grief spiral and wrote a novel and Shutter like, Island. Yeah, and really just like caved in on himself. Uh, and then, in fact, no, it's not true. There is a supernatural force, yep. and the doctor's full of shit, and right. try to manipulate Alan for reasons. Yeah, and it like it tips its hand in that direction a couple times too, right? Like there is the um, the poster, and on the poster, there's the guy who was the kidnapper from before, and it's like, oh, is he in on it? Are we all in on it? There's a tape that you come across where your wife is talking to the psychiatrist and being like, well, I'm just really worried about him. You know, he gets angry a lot of the time, and I really. Which- would love for you to help him. It just felt so out of nowhere to like learn that the character I'm playing is this. I feel like they should have been established that mm-hmm. they had these problems. Like yes. I was like, Oh, we had yeah. these, like I had no idea that we had this kind of marital issues or like, right. Yeah. It, you know where that would have been really good to use is in the flashback that we spent <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. Maybe show some strife there. 100%. The thing about this first half of the game 
is that there's a lot, it's setting up what seems like it's going to be a lot of payoff, right? Like there's these different moving pieces and it's like, okay, look, this is dumb and this game is not fun, but maybe we are moving pieces into place for a big payoff later on. And then it just keeps making less and less and less sense. And one great example of that is what happens next. Uh, The Andersons stage basically a coup of the facility later that night after Alan has spent all day working on his novel, I guess. Uh, They knock out the nurse with a hammer and uh, Alan breaks out of the facility. So Hartman gets eaten by the dark presence. Right. What's that? Yeah, I feel like it's worth mentioning that so Hartman's whole angle was so there's this dark presence that lives in the town that in the lake like it's 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 it lives under the lake yes it's a a dark presence what's it called it's called the dark presence brian yes what yeah and it's so fucked up that they just have to call it (laughs) what it is it's uh, it's actually it's this presence of darkness (laughs) it does it does it does vaguely here's the thing though about the dark presence this is why this is actually why it works for me and it's because this is a game where the guy who was a professional writer says the line, the water was clear and dark. It looked very deep. <laughs> like, I buy that the ultimate villain of that game is totally. the dark presence. Right. Which, Which manifests presence, as a tornado, by the way. Yeah. But it has like okay. a symbiotic relationship with artists where you're not sure if the artists summon the dark presence or if the dark presence was created by the artists to serve mm. them. But mm. so certain artists. So it's house of leaves now. But, in an inter- okay. but again, in an interesting narrative, that would be explored in the question yeah. of like, to what extent and it, it is in control. Cause yeah. that's what control is sort mm. of built on yeah. is these sort of things that are essentially spoken into being by the collective sure. unconscious. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, certain artists either with their writing or their, artistry can make manifest their creation with the assistance of the dark presence, but it's always a twisted version of that. Right. Like as Alan writes something, it becomes true, but because it's, it's, it's like a, the kind of like classically genie wish where like, yeah, it's the monkey's, or, or paw. The monkey's paw. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so you so can't just write, we were fine. Everything was real cool, but then things will be cool. But too cool, like freezing cold. My wife was so hot and and we had sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a great episode of Night Springs. But then Hartman, so Hartman's collecting artists because he wants to be able to manipulate the Dark Presence for his own horrible uses. As soon as you find this out, mm-hmm. Hartman's taken out of the picture. And then as soon as that happens, you have to go on this really long, really stupid fucking trek around the back of the building in the goddamn woods. So there's the maze first. Well, hedge the maze. There's a hedge maze. hedge maze. Which is a my third Oh, oh cool. I love I love hedge mazes. Don't we all? I love depicting them. I love the experience of of experiencing a, a virtual hedge oh, maze. Oh, it's so fun. I like I like I like that movie with the hedge maze in it. I wonder um, if a guy with an axe is going to jump out of nowhere and hit me. Oh, there he is. Oh, there it's he is. Oh, there he is again. Nine more times. And then at the end of the hedge maze, you also come across uh, Birch, who is like an orderly from earlier. You have to fight him plus like 10 other guys uh, again <laughs> yeah. with insufficient Big boss fight against the orderly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the whole time, the whole reason you have to do this is because he's like, here, let me feed you applesauce. <laughs> I mean, he really d- he, d- he does say something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Know. It's not that far off. But um, I'm moving to Finland. <laughs> the reason why you have to fight these guys in the first place is because Barry has lost the key to the lock. For the oh, gate. yes. 
that you have to leave through. So this lasts a long time. This is a wave. This is like a couple of waves of these guys that you have to fight, and you're severely right. underpowered and underleveled. Fighting waves. And then the game has the audacity to have Barry be like, "I think I found the key." Oh no, wait! Yeah, it's you, a walnut. There's this whole sequence, <laughs> and you have to fight off it's additional guys for like three minutes while Barry's like, "Oh." Uh, 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 there it is. Oh, dropped it. Uh. Oh, you know, locks are pretty hot, Al. Al, and you're just, just like, just open the fucking lock. I'm oh dying. My like, you're going to get axed, like, fully through your neck. And it's, it's just, like, open the gate. It's a tall gate. It's a short <laughs> gate. Jump like, over it. It's, uh, it's scary, right? You're you're feeling tense. Right. You're scared, right? No. Right? No. Right? I'm no. honestly just aggravated. I'm just frustrated. I'm yes. just so frustrated. No, you're scared. <laughs> this made you scared. This scared you. We're I'm terrified spooked. of applesauce. <laughs> I always was because of Adventures in Odyssey. The gate does open. Mm-hmm. Alan and Barry drive off now to the farm because they need to find okay. a recording there because the recording is the <laughs> MacGuffin that's going to basically tell them how, they're going to tell Alan Wake how to unlock the thing that's going to defeat the, the dark presence, right? Okay, so because yes. because we are recording this on Wednesday, yeah. which means I was I was editing up through last <laughs> uh-huh. night. Yeah. I, I only got a few hours into the, the, the long play of this game. Yeah. So we're we're in the woods now. How for does you. this compare with what you thought it was gonna be like later on in the game, Brian? I mean I played control. I know where control ends up. Okay. And it's not great. Sure. Yeah. So it, you know it's it's a big contrast from the beginning to the end. But at the same time, you're so you're looking for a tape. You're, you're looking, looking for, for a, a record. recording, like a record. This is where the game lost me. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. so Torin, Wait, someone did a recording of something, but on a fucking vinyl record. Yes. It's a song because it's yes. Torin Odin who right. own the a farm. Band. They're a band. They're a and, band. And, and, and they the also song... and they also have on their farm an entire like s- s- a big thing because I guess they also do concerts there I'm sorry, on so the these, farm. These, on the these, farm. These two men yes. Yes. own a farm. Yes, own a farm together. They, yes, they I mean do. they did. Band. Yes. Yeah, I mean they, it's still there, sort of. And so their record. What, what is this record? The doing? record has a song on it. The record has a song on yes. it that's going to tell you what you need to do in order to defeat the dark presence. And yes. so you have do to you, go to the is, farm. Is it okay? To get the but is the payoff that the record is just put the lime in the coconut? Do you defeat the dark presence with a lime I inside wish. of a coconut? Not, oh not God, that. I wish. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But uh, okay, I like the the whole like idea of these like elderly rockers who are married to each other. By the other, way, though. by that's the way, cute. Brian, I yeah. like this too because I'm really glad that you didn't play the rest of us because now you can just ask clarifying questions about this plot and we I have to explain it enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this just is, like I expected, I had to put a lime in a coconut. This is just going to be completely because inexplicable. Because of the doctor, because he had, because the mm. doctor, you're you such see, a silly woman. <laughs> <laughs> Call me in the morning. <laughs> like as they're driving in the car on the way to the farm, some boulders fall down and went in front of the car. The car flips into a ditch. Guess what that means, Brian? Guess, guess, guess what, guess what you have to do next? You get out of the car and walk the rest of the Through way. Through the woods. Sure That's right, do. Brian. Um, and we make our way, I, I, I think there's like a sawmill you have to go through first, but honestly, who cares? You get to the farm. You get to the Anderson farm. Wait, does wait? Okay, I just have to ask one question about the sawmill. Does someone get tied to something that slowly moves towards the saw? Sadly, no. God no. damn it! No, that would be cool. A, a lot of things get thrown at you. You have to fight a train, a little choo-choo, a little one. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty small for a train. Um, <laughs> so little it's, baby train. It's, tiny little deal. it's for the tiniest country boy. Hops on the choo-choo train. Here we go to Chattanooga. <laughs> Compared to the size 
of of Alan Wake. Yeah. How big is this train? Uh, it, like, it's like twice. Guy. It's, it's, it's like Alan's. guy size. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's a guy size train. There's also like a a, a bulldozer, and there's like an the excavator. Remember, yeah. There's the bulldozer that comes at you. I like that yeah. part. It yeah. actually made me laugh out loud when the bulldozer you came have, out. So like, do you stop these things by shining your flashlight? That's until they explode. You don't even have to shoot them. Shoot them to see. That's the thing. It should just be the flashlight the whole time. Why is it flashlight and then shoot them? You should have flares. Also, you have to shoot them a lot. Flares make them explode. No, but but you're you're exactly right, Brian. You can't. There's no need. You can't shoot them before the flashlight. There should not be guns in this game. You have to do flashlight and then gun. Correct. Mm -hmm. This should be strict. You you almost had something. Yes. This, you almost had something really creative, and then it's just gun. Yes. Yeah. Plus another thing. This should have been purely light-based combat. That would be yes. way better, because also the rules are inconsistent. Like, the fact that when you uh, shine certain types of lights on them, including... Spotlights. Spotlights, and, and shine them oh, on yeah. people, that will disintegrate the, the table. Film. That's 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 me in one of those. Uh, yeah, me too. Losing uh, your in the corner. Wow. <laughs> this middle section is really hard to track, because they don't give you like big tent pole events until mm-hmm. you get to the farm. Right. And the farm is one of the most baffling level designs I've ever seen in a video game because you could technically, if you could just hop over a wall, get to the end of the level. Yes. But instead, you have to do this like serpentine riding like elevators oh up my and God, down yes. these like grain silos in order to get to a farmhouse that you could just walk you to. You could literally walk to it. There's like places where there's like, uh, uh, Right, it's a farm. It's made to be accessible by human beings. That's right, Brian. Like that's just well, first, like, like home. There's another wave of enemy moment where you have to like put on a rock concert. And I actually found this moment to be fun. I found it to be almost fun with the record. This is before the record. So just to, just to no, frame up, first thing that happens is that we get to a house. Uh, that is near the farm. There's the local drunk is in there looking for moonshine. This oh God, is important because apparently the moonshine also gives you visions. Whatever. Because it's Who made cares? from the water from the lake. That's 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 kind of basic level Carl Jung. So I, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so he actually. <laughs> no, it is. He talks about, you know, the classical animism and things yeah. like that. Oh. So he actually uh, ends up getting killed by a guy who was his friend, but ended up getting taken. The, the drunk does. Yes, the, the drunk does. The drunk that's gets killed thing. by his friend. There's a lot of like hidden fun little like subplots in this game that like frustrates me mm, there's like yeah. that moment that, uh, uh, there's a couple other ones too that I, I was like wow that's a cool intriguing idea yeah sounds like it's a remnant of the whole day night cycle open world game where you actually got to know the characters yes yeah, yeah. It's rather than the linear too. naughty dog type game was there's yeah. all these like yeah uh, the the world building in that like Gameplay aside, whatever. Um, yeah. I just love the, these little like nuggets of like kind of like love notes to the the player, but like mm-hmm. they don't uh-huh. amount to anything. Yeah, in Alan nope. Wake, yeah. An interesting thing about Control too is that it also focused on the main storyline. I think to the detriment of the game in the way that Alan Wake also does, uh, because I think the main storyline of Control is fine, but it's like all those side characters, Jack, like you were talking about, were the reasons I kept playing because I mm. wanted to find out what the oh, fuck yeah. else was happening in this facility and what happened to all these people. Yeah, those little videos that are very also Lost esque, like kind of like Dharma mm-hmm. Initiative, kind of yeah. like those yeah. were all. I, I loved all those little pieces and finding those were 
were yeah. very cool to me. So yeah. we end up at the farm. We're on this big stage where I guess they did concerts when they had the farm. Yeah, and whatever. Who cares? There, there's some manuscript pages that say that they had like fuck fests here. Basically, mm-hmm. everyone would come. They'd drink the moonshine okay, from the sure. lakes of the water and like all like trip together, basically, sure. in the 70s. So then the music blasts. Uh, Barry is on the ones and twos. And um, this sequence is almost fun because they overpower the shit out of you. Right. They give you all the ammo you need, all like the um, uh, an extremely powerful flashlight that you've never used before. Yep. So this this rock concert does what nothing that's a good question brian it just it keeps away the horde because of oh, the lights so the record has some supernatural purpose but the concert does the not concert no is happening because there are so many taken in the area that whole farm is rigged up with fireworks oh, yeah. so, oh, so shooting off the fireworks is going to kill all the guys that's basically okay. the idea here okay so yeah. then you get to kill all the guys because that keeps yeah. them safe for the rest of the night and then there's no more enemies for the rest of the game <laughs> yeah right um oh, so then after boy. that we finally get to the record and uh, i'm going to read you the lyrics to this song are you ready yeah. okay are you ready to yeah, look for ready. the lyrics song i'm trying to guess I'm who so they're ready. referring to brian and here we go and now to see your love set free, you will need the witch's cabin key. Find the lady of the light gone mad with the night. That's how you'll reshape destiny. I don't know about you guys, but I have goosebumps just reading that. I know, um, I'm, it, I'm it's... turgid. <laughs> <laughs> so... The Victorian widow, the lantern lady. Well, well, the yeah. the witch is the Victorian widow, and lantern lady is the the, the woman lady, yeah. who's gone mad mad with the light, lady of the light gone mad with the night. Right, log and lady. You have to find log lady. You have basically. to find log lady, and this sets up the rest of the thing. Honestly, the re- for, this is the big moment where now you know what it is that you're actually supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and yeah. it clarifies a few things. But then they keep making it complicated in a way that it doesn't need to be complicated. Yeah. Um, in a way that the game quite frankly can't handle it being this complicated. Correct. And, and and when you when you find her does she end up being Wyndham Earl in a costume? God Unfortunately not, no. So Alan and Barry get drunk on the magical moonshine and we learn that Alan was forced by that lady like the victorian mourner looking lady to write a manuscript to save alice from being taken by the darkness i guess he has also then written into the story a place where he can get an out from the story that he is currently within so that he can then shape the ending in a different way because much like natasha bedingfield the rest remains unwritten oh it's misery yes and he is able to escape uh, from her clutches. It feels like for the first half or like, you know, you have the very in- the initial part of chapter two is like a bunch of stuff happens and then nothing happens. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you're in the last third of this game and then it's like, OK, well, here's the next one. Mm-hmm. Here's the- it's like it's like Final Fantasy 15. So there is also an entire subplot with this guy named Thomas Zane, which right. is actually amazing. Important. He is the guy who is the uh, like Bioshock uh, big daddy yeah, he's who's big been daddy. floating through all your dreams the nozzle man it's Turns also out, okay. never really like explained fully who he is they just start throwing the name around a bunch and you're supposed to care about him yeah I love that they were like of course, yeah. he was really into diving he would go to there and, and <laughs> dive and like the image in your head would be like maybe scuba diving but no yeah. he's in a full-on like yeah. fucking 18th century diving bell <laughs> pressure suit with right, claws. Has, right. Yeah. This is also where the timeline starts to get really confusing. When Alice, 
Alan's wife, fell into the lake. Mm-hmm. She got pulled under by the dark presence. So the tornado is in the lake. Correct. Yes. It's like a Faust deal. It's a Faustian mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, it's a Faustian bargain, right? Like he okay. if he finishes writing a, a novel that grants the tornado more power. Because, again, his words can shape reality. His wife will be released from the lake. However, don't his words shape reality because that thing is allowing his words to shape reality? It's a symbiotic relationship. Okay, sure. Okay, it's feedback. Um, It is feedback. I'll I'll accept it. And this happened once before with Thomas Zane, whose wife uh, in like the 50s or 60s died and right. he made a bargain with uh the dark presence to bring her back to life but she was possessed by the dark presence and then he was forced to write himself he was forced to do the basically the exact same plot as alan wake right. but uh he decided that the best way to do that uh, he basically did a spider-man no way home and erased himself from all of existence so right. no one's ever heard of thomas zane right who was apparently a very famous writer beforehand because if thomas zane doesn't exist then the dark presence also doesn't exist but it does exist but it does and again exist. that's why it's like it, it, i want to die i want to <laughs> die recapping this it's actually making me want to die okay and Th- thomas zane was the guy in the diving bell yes 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 but people knew about the guy in the diving bell because he existed no but well thomas zane doesn't exist he's sort nobody of like, knows about he's like it, schrodinger's Alan. diver right he he exists and doesn't exist at the same time so there was another writer yes he encountered the darkness the darkness took his wife he wrote himself out of that situation. Yes. Well, first he wrote his wife now, back to life. And then he also realizing. And she's the Victorian widow. Yes. yes. Okay. And so now because some time has passed, it's happening again. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is happening again. It's Twin Alan. I think, I think Alan's presence has reawakened. It. Because he right. is such yeah. an artistic he's genius. Just, he's just yes. so talented. It's like a battery being close to, you know. It's like and so. Victorian widow is making him write this other manuscript because that brings her husband back. Uh, because no, no because no. the dark presence is making her do is it inside her. Okay, yeah. yes. Victorian widow okay. is not a real person. It's just a form that the dark presence takes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like he's wearing a skin suit, basically. Yeah. So am I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. So <laughs> then we get to episode five, the clicker. Um, at this point, Alan's back in jail because Agent Nightingale showed up and called him. Oh my god! I don't know James <laughs> Joyce or something, and threw yeah. him back in jail. He keeps landing in jail. Um, and yep. then and then darkness falls. Nightingale gets sucked out by a tornado. He gets sucked off by a tornado too. It sucks you off. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's Alan, the great thing about the dark presence. It sucks you off. <laughs> it sucks you off. Uh, Alan heads then toward town hall with. Sarah, the sheriff from before. In a sequence that I think is actually pretty cool. Like you're battling through the town of Bright Falls. We then proceed to uh, a church and outside the church, we have another one of these big moments where there's like 20 guys and you have to fight off all of the guys uh, and die lots of times while you do it. (sighs) While we're Um, waiting for her to unlock the door. That's so scary. There's nothing scarier than fighting guys while somebody tries to unlock a door. I'm so, I'm so, I'm, I'm scared. Like, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Alan. We need to get to the chopper from here. Uh, we proceed on. We need to get to the chopper. We proceed on to where there's a helicopter. And once a fucking again, there's another big battle here with another 20 guys. Uh, at this part, you also reach an episode of Night Springs. It was just like the writers gave up entirely. Uh, it's about 
two women who go downstairs and find a hole in reality and then a writer appears in the hole in reality and they're like what are you doing here he's like well if you ladies could kindly leave I, I don't know I started this story about two women coming downstairs and finding a hole in reality and now I really don't know what to do and they're like what but we're real and he's like go upstairs and make coffee you're like okay I can't and believe episode, you actually watched all of this the show. episode yeah. the episode ends with this line it's a fine line between the stupid and the sublime in <laughs> Night Springs. Video games are so bad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> then he has to go to the dam, which really more like a goddamn. This is where the well-lit room is. This is a big deal. There's a well-lit room that the Taken can't get to because of how well-lit it is. And then there's a fucking fetch quest. You have to go out to a place and you have to fucking cut the power to the goddamn thing. You have to solve a, a, a damn, like, uh, like a bridge dam oh, puzzle. Yeah, Jesus there's a Christ. stupid fucking puzzle. It's um, the only it's the one time that puzzle is used in the entire game because I think they did it. It was like, ah, fuck it. We'll never do that Finally, again. finally, I finished the fucking puzzle. I can go back but then guess what happens Barry and Sarah's helicopter fucking crashes so you have to go to the helicopter and you have to go find them wait wait Josh where is the helicopter it's in the woods we gotta go back to the woods so we go back to the fucking woods hey it's just like lost we have to go back that, so so you've got it you got a fetch quest followed by a fetch quest followed by another fucking escort mission it's like all of the things that are known for being not fun about games and they just take them and they combine them together and they just do it back to back to back to back to back to back all in the context of a story that sucks That's ass. That's why this game was so savaged by the critics, right? It got a five <laughs> out of five from the independent. It got a four out of four from the Associated <sighs> Press, a nine out of 10 into from the, the Daily Telegraph, again because a nine we out can't of 10 from IGN, into a the six woods out of 10 from Wired. Take well, at least Wired knew what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, four out of five from GamePro, <sighs> an 8.5 out of 10 from GameSpot. So yeah. a B plus from one. Up.com. Yeah. So in one a of the seven out of ten from Eurogamer and an eight and a half <laughs> out of ten from Game Informer. So one of the greatest, best reviewed games of all time ends its fifth episode with you finally, finally getting the MacGuffin that will destroy the darkness forever. Right. Is that the record or is what is it? Now? It's no, the, the MacGuffin is the clicker, yeah. Yes. The clicker? Yeah. It's the thing that Alan Wake's mom gave to him to fight off the darkness when he was a child. Along with the clicker, we discover a page that was written by Thomas Zane. Oh, yeah. And so I guess also <laughs> Alan Wake's reality <laughs> is being created by Thomas Zane? Because Thomas Zane wrote Alan Wake's reality into his story before he erased himself <laughs> from existence. Wait, so is Alan Wake, like, was he not born? He was just created by Thomas Zane? No, I he wish. was born, but Thomas Zane wrote an injunction into his life saying that pretty much the whole clicker thing and Alan's mom giving like giving him this clicker was a machination of Thomas Zane. Yeah, it's like Wasn't an implanted memory. Yes, 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 yeah. it was. Alan Wake's not fifty years old. Let's I mean, also appreciate too that like thirty years ago, <laughs> these these two fucking Nordic god guys wrote a song and pressed it on vinyl specifically to help this dude who they hadn't met right find. Did 
Find the target for their fetch quest. Yeah. Like, we're just going to need yeah. this. Let's write a fucking song about this. In and then let's leave it in a barn for 30 years. But we're going to make that barn so hard to get to. Oh, man. You're going to have to ride There's so many great elevators. And levers. And you're going to have to right. fucking. Here's the thing. You know, some, 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 some rope guys just get so into rope, they forget about the sex, you know. And so then that's, that's what happened here is they both just started doing suspension for like things in the barn you know what that's actually the the, the best explanation i think you can I like it. possibly come up with for the, for why this happened so we're in the woods crashed helicopter the woods we got the clicker. the clicker no actually that's not where we are it, top of episode uh, six actually has us now in a uh, back in Alan's apartment. Suck my dick, Josh. Suck it. Shut up. Stop writing this and video game the way that it's written. Only the dark presence can suck me off. That's why I had to go and fight. <laughs> this is a this is a flashback again to like. I guess when Alan went on TV to talk about his book, oh and God. this is really funny yeah. because you had the people who recorded the voiceover. And you had the yep. people who recorded the live action. And I don't know if... Why did they do it live action? Why didn't they do it just as a fucking like motion capture? Hey, that's a great question, Brian. But so what you end up getting then is these fucking clearly Scandinavian guys who are absolutely 100% not American. Yeah. One of the guys is the live action actor for Alan Wake. The other guy is... like a is... talk show host. It's also, it's also like, if you watch the whole thing, it's like six minutes long. You can it turn is. it off whenever you want. But I, watched I watched the whole thing. The whole thing, the whole thing, thing. and... Uh, after after first getting Advil and sunglasses and being yelled at by my wife. That's yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, because Alan Wake Just has like a drinking problem. Normal Monday morning, am I is it, right, Is it folks? interrupted by like a Verizon ad, Josh? Oh, I oh, wish. I wish too. But Alan, they introduce this alcoholism thing for Alan Wake in the final episode. And at this point, I'm like, by uh, the way, alcoholic. Sure. And she's yeah. like angry that he went out and celebrated being on TV for the first time, which is like such an odd hill to, hill to die on, I feel like. Well, yeah. I mean, the, again, like in a better written version of this it would be that this is the latest example mm -hmm. of alcoholism and like saying that you're going to do one thing and actually totally. doing something else entirely but you're right it doesn't actually i think i inferred that but the reality is the script is written just said hey you went out last night for your book release party. You said you'd be home at midnight, and you weren't. And then they, like, make up immediately, too. How could you? Yeah, how could you? Okay, so he did this interview. He got drunk. He came yes. home. Wife's yes. mad. Wife yes. mad. And then they immediately make up. And then we're back We're back in the woods? Yes. Yep. No, now it's um, daytime. No, we're not in the woods. No? <laughs> now we're on top of the dam, and it's become daytime all of a sudden. Oh, it's Remember? yeah. We're at the goddamn now. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it, the the sun is shining. Yeah, because yeah, he pushed the clicker. He, he pushed it, the clicker, and suddenly night has become day. Come on. So Come guys, on. so we gotta we gotta we gotta go to Cauldron Lake. And we gotta go. You know what's it called? Miles Cal away. We we gotta yeah. get there. It's the it's uh, the furthest away. Naked cowboys. Showers <laughs> and ranch. ranch. Brian. Yeah. How do you think we get there? Let me say, he considers walking through the woods. But it's a little too far. So how else? <laughs> oh, oh, it's this. It's too far this time. It is too yes. far. 
this this time and well he does walk do through we, the forest for a bit yeah do we drive a car we do sure drive fucking do baby oh, pedal boy. to the metal there's so much driving you on so many roads halfway there because there's a car, car pile up and you have to walk and then you walk the rest and then you walk through the woods again i love the stupid fucking bridge <laughs> why isn't there a MacGuffin that I, just brings him there why I isn't he a magical fucking pencil bridge we have to plow the the Game, I the love game to at drive this point, my car. I love to do a production of Uncle Vanya. <laughs> the game at this point has thrown Jack is signing so, his displeasure so right now. So many objects at you, literally. And yeah, right. You They're get like, to oh, this, here's all the fun things that we figured out how to program. Bridge and this bridge. <laughs> Is 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 the bridge of bridge of all bridges? It spins. And it's a turntable. It, no, no, not that not bridge. bridge. I'm talking. About, I'm talking about There's the bridge. A different bridge. This is not the turntable. You get table. to this bridge, <laughs> Jack. You explain the bridge. I'm 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 freaking so, yeah, out. You're, it's, it's, it's pretty much. <laughs> it's the bridge I described earlier, but just six times longer. Where and more difficult. Pretty much every object on the bridge, bridge is flying at you. There's taken left yeah, and right, and then it the comes to one yeah. moment where you step around a corner. And suddenly a corner of the bridge. <laughs> no, there's like a pile up. So there's like a semi truck and like there's okay. all this like debris and shit on the bridge. So you step around a corner okay. and yep. suddenly the way back is cut off and right. there's about six feet of space in front of you. And directly in front of yep. you is like a, like a thresher truck, like a, like a street yep. sweeper that comes to life and begins attacking you. You have yes. zero room to maneuver. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. pretty much the thing just like drives forward six feet and murders you. Right. And then you respawn and you do that. I have to do that over two dozen times until you finally. Yeah, it, 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 you might wonder. Do you what? Do you just dodge roll past? There it are or no something? dodge rolls. Well, you try, but yeah. you can't. And here's the thing: you might be wondering. Do you show huh, the flash? When you res- no, when you when, when when you uh, when you respawn, surely yeah. you'll be respawning right by where you died. No, oh, you respawn at the beginning of the, the bridge. bridge. Oh, it's Dark Souls. It's Dark Souls. Yeah, you learn from your mistakes. So, you <laughs> sh- you my sh- only mistake was playing this fucking game. But it's game. daytime, so you're not shining. No, it is nighttime. No, 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 it's it nighttime. It's nighttime. You through a tunnel, and then suddenly it's night again. Because the dark yeah. presence is going to try and stop you. Well, then you. why don't you flick the switch again? That's, you a, great that's a great question, Brian. It's a brilliant. It's in your pocket. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> so, by the way, this is so also- you have to use your flashlight to stop the street combine. Yes, yes, that is correct. But also, just to, just to, just to, just to point up one other thing as well. When you flick the fl- the Stop fucking it. clicker, God that's also it. the point at which Stop Alan and other Alan, like he shit. splits into two different fucking Alans. Yes. And so, and the other Alan is just like, God bye. Um, but he'll, but he matters later, I think. The other, anyway. the other personality is named Mr. Scratch. Kill you with a fucking yes. dog. I'll throw you in a goddamn <laughs> ditch with a dog and the dog's going to eat you. Later, that dog you kill you. He's so skinny. He's that thin. Dog he's hungry. And he's hungry for you and I'm going to feed you. I'm going to feed you to the dog. You good, Brian? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, I'm not allowed in Helsinki anymore. Go ahead, Jack. I was going to say, two hours later, you somehow finally, through sheer luck alone, there's no strategy yeah. or skill involved. None. You get past this stupid-ass fucking thresher whatever oh, good. combine. Good for us. Good for me. And then good I for you. What happened, then you go drive some more, I think. Go into a tornado and you shoot flare guns into the tornado until the tornado dies. And yes. then, oh, cool. And then what ends up happening, because earlier the lamp lady said that the whole reason that Thomas Zane wasn't successful is that you can't write your way around death. Like a sacrifice has to be made. So Alan Wake gives up his life so that Alice might live and throws himself right. into the dark presence, the dark world, basically. Wait, but that's that's what 
That's what Billy Zane did. The, so the Titanic sinks into the caldera. <laughs> um, no. Caldera. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so the end of this game, because I'm cutting to the end of this game. Please do. Uh, it, that wasn't the end? The end of the... No, I mean, the, the, the ending is the cutscene that happens after you shoot the okay. tornado. So, okay. so the camera pans over Bright Falls, and there's terrible narration, and uh, it pans over all the people celebrating. It turns out that everyone you killed actually isn't dead. They're back to life, right. and they're all sure, hugging, and they're dancing. It's Deerfest. Yeah. Um, it's Deerfest. Well, and again, because Al, Alan sac- sacrificed himself Christ-like, right? Yeah. You know, he died so these others can live. Yeah, so the whole narrative's been erased. Uh, Rose the Waitress, uh, she is now the new lamp lady, but she also maybe still be possessed, question mark so it's like a huge cliffhanger of like oh well the dark presence return and then the game just kind of ends it ends with alan working on his thing and saying it's not a lake it's an ocean (laughs) when you play through the commentary sam lake uh really emphasizes how much like how affected the alan wake fans are by the line it's not a lake it's an ocean it's meaningless it's a meaningless line it's just that what you thought was like the end is actually there's just so much more like it's so much bigger than you could ever imagine and really what lucy and edmund had realized that they had not (laughs) finished the chapter of their book but they were merely on the table of contents and the title page and the real book was just beginning yes i want to be abundantly clear about something it's not an ocean. It's a lake. It's literally no, it's a lake. It's literally a lake, it's literally it's a a lake you guys. Yeah, but underneath that lake is a black void that leads to, I guess, a dark world, which, um, okay, so I just want to very briefly, briefly mention the DLC because I'm yeah. not going to talk about the plot of it other than Alan Wake's American Nightmare. It, uh, that's actually, that's the that's sequel. That's the sequel. Uh, Alan Wake... Uh, the DLC, it's called The Signal and the Writer. It's all one story. The basic idea is that it's Alan in the Dark Place trying to escape the Dark Place. And mm. the problem with it is, is that the gameplay is actually infinitely better than the base game. Because they Why? finally, yeah. finally implement the flashlight in a cool and interesting way. In the Dark Place, objects aren't objects, they're words. So you point the flashlight right. at a word and then it pops into being. And that's like, okay, they do that a little bit in the base game. But in this one, you can use it for like strategic advantages. There's one that just says bang, mm. that if you shine the flashlight on, it explodes in like a big group explosion. And then there's other okay. areas that say things like enemy. And if you shine your flashlight on that one, it activates. But since he always has his flashlight on, you have to like figure out how to finagle mm. it and get through the area without shining your light on a place too long. Or you'll summon a bunch, like a whole horde of enemies. Sure. So it starts getting into like some actually really cool and like trippy territory. It's very clear that they were like moving towards the design of control a little bit more so the area designs get much better. Um, It basically takes all the assets from the base game and then just kind of slaps them together kind of haphazardly so it feels like more of a nightmare and it's a lot more interesting. Um, It actually vaguely made me excited for Alan Wake 2 because the writing got a lot better in the DLC. Which, okay, so let's be very clear. Alan Wake 2 is going to be the third Alan Wake game. Well, we've oh. done it, guys. We've fucking recapped Alan what, Wake. What have we done? Uh, what, what, that's what did Alan... It also ends with Space Oddity, by the way. Yeah. In, uh, they yeah. licensed... What? Baffling they choice. licensed Space Oddity. Yeah. Why wouldn't it end with Lime and the Coconut? That's a great question. Would have been much, much better. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> that has something to do... You know, you... So what if... Played that song earlier, mm-hmm. at least. So what have we learned... At the end of all this, what are after recapping that whole thing, Jack, where what is your final sort of standing on Alan Wake? What what can we take away from it? What can we learn from it? What's the overall lesson of uh, of this writer's <laughs> odyssey? There is an alluring danger to being sucked into, you know, I don't know. 
<laughs> your own asshole. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, look, it look. feels like it wants to be a game about about the dangers of the creative process. Yeah, right. About a guy who gets writer's block and then like pushes everyone away from him, anyone anyone he loves away from him, and how dangerous that can be and how all encompassing that can be. And what was I think very interesting is that when you listen to Sam Lake on the commentary, it seems like a very personal game to him. Like it 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 really is like him working his way through the writer's block that came after doing the first two Max Payne games. Mm. And on on a on a level like that's not a terrible idea for a game having a writer go through writer's block and actually have to battle like the demons that keep him from producing his creative output but like yeah like a like a Barton Fink video game yeah yeah i mean that would at least be interesting but this game it just doesn't delve deep enough like it you know, doesn't get you know what it reminds me of is is a mixtape i feel like it's something that like hmm. it was it was crafted with love and it's it hmm. shows off you know what this guy enjoys in and his 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 background and 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 what he thinks is cool and interesting, but like it just at the end of the day is adds nothing new to the conversation. Given that this is in a lot of ways something personal, you made the mixtape analogy, and it's like, yeah, you know, this is clearly somebody talking a little bit about his process. Was there anything to you looking through even all of the bullshit and the bad game design? Was there anything in it that spoke to you about writing or being a writer in any meaningful way? I feel like it, it was superficial, the writing elements of this. Uh, it, it referenced Alan Wake's writing, but we never saw any kind of showcase aside from like some images of like the book covers. The only writing we saw was the manuscript pages, but those were much more like, I mean, there's no like narrative to them. They were just telling us what was about to happen in the game that, you know, I, I feel like if you read them sequentially, they wouldn't have offered any kind of story. Yeah, it's it's referencing other writers' stories about dealing with writing. Yes, it was a collage. And, and you know, because right. it's like House of Leaves or The Shining or a little bit of misery. And so it's not it's not any of his own feelings about about the writer's block or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, if he had maybe a story that he was trying to like grapple with yeah. or like find a conclusion to or like craft around. And, and, and he's such a fucking nothing yeah. as a character. We, we hear that people are a fan of his writing. We certainly don't understand why. It's not as if the pages are well-written. It's certainly as, not as if he has any sort of an inner developed life that would lead to being a good writer. Why, and this is just for, for all of you, why did people like this game so much? I'm genuinely trying to understand that. I, I was wondering if it was like, was this novel at the time, this narrative structure? I this this literally came out the same weekend as uh, Red Dead Redemption, the first one. Oh, and wow. Oof. Yeah, so it, it hurt its business for a little while, but it ended up making a lot of money. So this year in 2010, we also have Mass Effect 2, God of War 3. Man, this is even worse. I was giving this game a pass because I thought it was like, novel or kind of, like, <laughs> right i think it was enough of a thing where like video game writing was was stunted enough still that people come across something like this or come across something western like this and they're like oh whoa hey look at look at this look at this wow yeah. i mean I, 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 I look at this amazing story i don't know i've played a lot of triple a games from the m more recent years in the last couple of years and a lot of them kind of felt like this yeah. And not just not just control, which kind of gets there at the end and it starts really strong. But I think it, there's there's so many challenges that come to making a game, especially when you're pacing things in, in terms of like, when is your production schedule actually putting together the pieces of the script? And when does that stuff get get frozen? Mm -hmm. Right. 
as you develop the rest of the game. And I think that's where a lot of pacing issues and a lot of these weird plotting issues, because this started as a totally different game. And I wonder how much of it was just, you know, shredded and restarted versus just like, well, let's take these pages out. Let's take these pages out. Let's take these pages out and then leave this weird thing in the middle. When I look at these reviews, yeah. it's like, did you play a different game? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at this review yeah. Yeah. from The Escapist, right? It doesn't look like it at first, but Alan Wake is an incredibly scary game. Setting at stage with familiar, ordinary locations like a cabin in the woods or the local diner and twisting them into something malicious. Th- that makes it sound like there's multiple locations, <laughs> yeah, but it's just it, but I love that woods. they've taken that, that, that typically very... <laughs> charming and pleasant experience of being at a cabin in the woods and turned it scary for the first time in my life. It's like bottom line here. It says bottom line, a brilliantly told story, excellent voice acting in an atmosphere. So unnerving. You'll sleep with the lights on for a month. Excellent voice acting is the one that made me just like snap a pencil. I I was holding in half the the Kotaku review. And of course they don't leave scores, but it said for the first time in my life, I have experienced something that plays like a game but has the impact of a movie. Right. And I think that's really important too, is like a lot of the measuring stick people were using to say, is this story good? Is, did it start to feel like a movie at some point in my experience? Yes, And I think too, that like this, this points as well to our games, art discourse was like really hitting a peak, you know? And because they were so mad at Roger Ebert specifically. And so they made (laughs) a game that in many ways does feel like a movie. To be honest, it's not a movie I would ever want to watch, but yeah, it is pointing in that direction. And I think for a lot of people, that was enough. My my experience, like just watching the early parts, I thought, oh, okay, it's a it's a horror game that's not super hard mm-hmm. because I feel like horror games tend to be really hard. Even Resident Evil 4 is pretty fucking hard. Um, There's a game, sure. did you ever play? It was like Criminal Intent or Criminal Origin that came out. Oh, Condemned Criminal Origins, yes. I feel like that game did everything Alan Wake wants to do, but just so much better. But it didn't it didn't want to uh, impersonate a movie. And it's funny that Condemned doesn't really get remembered at this era either because it was a launch title for the for the Xbox 360. They made a sequel. Yeah. Um, what was so successful about it, though, Jack? Uh, well, I think actually the first person accomplishes quite a bit in uh, putting you in the character, which is, you know, something I, I just gravitate towards more. But it has the same kind of like you're disempowered. You're uh, it's it's resource scarcity. Um but it's and it's also the same kind of like you have to go to the library. It's an abandoned, condemned library. You have to go to the airport. The airport is full of drug addicts and it's been on fire for two years. Um, <laughs> because maybe because you're a detective in it, the story just unfolds in a much more organic way. And because you're discovering, and I don't remember the finer points of the narrative, but it it it, it, it did feel cinematic to me from what I remember. Maybe that's just the age I was when I was playing it. Or I, I don't feel like condemned is impersonating anything, you know? And again, we, at this point, a lot of these critics and a lot of, a lot of capital G gamers wanted games that impersonated things. They wanted it to impersonate a movie. And then what kind of movie? Well, maybe a movie based on a Stephen King novel. Mm. And, and we hadn't had that. Like that hadn't been a part of, of video gaming, right? This wasn't zombies, even though it's pretty much just zombies. Mm. It wasn't resident evil. It wasn't fixed camera. It, It was like, it was trying to be a little bit more accessible. It's not, it's not super gory, you know, it's not an, it's not, not a super intense game. So I can see how maybe if someone wants to try a horror game, but they're not into like fucked up shit, 
maybe this was mm, their yeah, way in. Sure. But like, boy, sure. it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a real slog. Is there anything that you'd like to plug? I know that you and I both just wrote for the 24-hour plays. The, uh, uh, the Flood Collective is my first time working with, with them. Uh, I had a really good time. Yeah, it was a really, really fun time. Um, and we'll obviously include the link to that yeah. uh, in the description of this episode so we can go give Otherwise, it a, give it a no, look-see. I've, I've, I have nothing. Pl- I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm only just now coming out of the comatose state I've been in for the last two years with COVID. And- yeah. Coming out of your cage and you've been doing just fine. Someone, someone was like, listen to that song and imagine Jerry Seinfeld is the one singing it. Like, just hold, just hold, just listen to the song and hold <laughs> the image of Jerry Seinfeld in your head and it works. So, and now it's well, ruined forever. Yeah, it, it makes the woman he's singing about much younger. <laughs> yeah. so when i think about alan wake my mind just keeps circling back like the feedback loop of thomas zane and the dark presence back to that fucking night springs episode that ends with the line it's a fine line between the stupid and the sublime in night springs and this game is the (laughs) former but i'm truly hopeful that Alan Wake 2 will be the latter. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. And I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm Jack. I, I also just say, you, if you want a sublime experience, just buy a different game. It's not <laughs> mm-hmm. any sequel to Alan Wake. Don't reward the Finns. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They've done enough. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. another episode of the worst of all possible worlds as always we are brought to you not by the average new mexican who is of course me but instead brought to you by our many patrons at patreon who are uh, you the ones listening to this because this is a patron episode anyway a special thanks to our newest Grand Inquisitors. That includes Z, J.D. Harper, Matthew Johansson, Franklin Mays, Nancy Carr, Murray McCann, and Zach Toes. And of course, a very special thank you to our Pangloss patrons. And they are... Alexa Valentine, Ashley Stoneman, Dara Swisher, Hannah White, John John Johnson, Nikola Donov, Sam Borman, Silverbear909, Timmy Sexton, and Tony Diddy. I'm Alan Wake, and I'm a writer.